Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bare their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan... Tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? I love the efficiency of bourbon. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. How are you, my friend? I'm still unwell from that performance on Sunday. It's uh, it's not a hot take what I'm going to say when we jump in on this with Justin Fields. It, it truly isn't. And, and I, again, I'm a fan. I love the guy. I want him to succeed. I want him to be everything we want him to be with 4,000 yards and wins. And I, uh, I felt in the middle of the – I'm just jumping in. In the middle of the preseason, I thought – I just don't see it. I hope I'm wrong. I want him to be great. I was I was worried after the third preseason game. I thought we were going to lose to Green Bay. And everybody was like, ah, yeah, it's just a preseason. You're a fucking idiot. And so I bought into it. I was like, well, maybe I am an idiot. <laughs> and I, wanted, I want the Bears to win anyway. So, yeah, I'll just tell everybody I'm worried. I'm worried. Uh, you know, I, I don't have this optimism of we're going to win 28 to 3 or whatever. And it turns out my fears came into fruition, a ninth straight defeat. And um, I'm not a know-it-all. I wish I was wrong, but I just had a feeling that this was going to happen. So it is what it is, is to use a cliche. I ran a poll uh, today, and we, the poll just closed a little while ago. The question was, what was the single most dis disappointing thing about the Bears' loss to the Packers? 51% said the coaching staff. 30% said the offensive and defensive line play. 16% said Justin Fields. And 3% said other things like Chase Claypool. So I ask you, uh, Dan, what was the most disappointing thing? You were there live, sitting up there on the nosebleed seats of the north end zone. Didn't what have a most... great view that day, that's for sure. And you didn't have your glasses. <laughs> yeah, we had sunglasses on, myself and Jay. And, uh, man, 
I was like, I should have brought my real glasses. <laughs> it was still cool to be there, but I'll answer this. Um, not trying to be negative. I knew the offensive line and defensive line was going to be a work in progress, and that's keeping it nice, right? I, I, I was worried the offensive line was going to suck. The defensive line, I expected maybe a little bit more from coaching staff. I've never liked Alan Williams. I don't like the cover two, even though they're not really in a cover two at all times, as I'm told. But I feel like the defense is too passive and the coaches don't have enough balls. I, I'm not surprised by those. I'm surprised by Fields. Like, he showed so much promise, and maybe he'll still get, get there. To me, the answer is Fields. He just looked lost. He's doing the same shit. I know you've got plays ready to show everybody where there's a man open, throw the ball, let's – you know, check it down instead. And, and it's just like this, uh, he's reticent to throw the ball down the field. And the one time he does, he makes a terrible read in double coverage and gets picked off for a pick six. Like, I expected so much more from Fields. He had an entire offseason. He was healthy. Show us something, man. And he was awful. Well, we're going to talk about that and a lot more on this show. Johnny Santucci is handling now, handling the chat room, uh, and maybe he'll join us for our last 30 minutes. We do have a special guest coming on in an hour, Nick, from the uh, Just Another Year podcast, the J podcast. I, I was a guest on his show, and I'd love to have him on here uh, to talk about the disappointing opener. We'll also do our media mashup in about 20 minutes, uh, but yeah, let's Talk about the Justin Fields thing. And and as Dan said, he's an ardent, passionate Chicago Bears fan and Justin Fields fan. I mean, this is his uniform collection. This isn't the only Justin Fields uh, gear that you own. You got a jacket and some other stuff, right? Yeah, you bought me a shirt. That's right, I bought your shirt. Where were we at? Dick's Sporting Goods? I think it was, yeah. Yeah, it bought me a Justin Fields shirt that I still wear with a caricature of him. And then at Soldier Field during the Vikings game, or on the way to the Vikings games last January, he brought me a shirt that said Soldier Fields. Mm -hmm. But I just showed you these. I was just trying to pile them up real quick. The, the four jerseys, there's the alternate orange, the home navy, the standard white, and then the 40s throwback. So I, I'm rooting for him. I don't want anybody to, to construe that to say that I've got any reason like to criticize him because – I, I liked another quarterback better or, or whatever the ulterior motive could be. I liked him. I was all in. I bought his jersey the night he was drafted. Mm -hmm. When that guy came out and was like, our Chicago Bears have you know selected Ohio State, Justin Fields, it felt like, yes, this is what we need. Versus when Trubisky was drafted, everybody was like, what? Mm -hmm. Who? What the fuck? <laughs> Everyone was disappointed. But it was so electric when Fields got drafted, and he's – Shown so many big plays, highlight reel kind of plays with his legs. I'm not one of these guys that's coming on here just to say he can't throw just because it's in vogue to say that. But I'm disappointed. I, I thought he can throw, and ultimately maybe he can and will. But Saturday or Sunday, rather, was the same old shit from both sides of the ball. I expected that from the defense, though. Maybe not to that point. But I expected way more from Fields, and that's why I'm much more let down. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I mean, I, uh, the defense in the first half played good ball. I mean, the only reason they gave up that touchdown was because of a boneheaded decision by the Chicago Bears coaching staff to go for it on fourth and one after the third and one play was a quarterback sneak with the tight end yeah. taking the snap. 
Uh, so the boneheaded decisions, you give Jordan Love uh, half the field to work with. You allow him to get confidence. They matriculate the ball, those 40 yards, score a touchdown, and now you're down seven to nothing. And uh, the offense was 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 showing some signs of getting in gear uh, and scored field goals, but it wasn't until the second half when they finally scored a touchdown. I've been uh, questioning uh, Justin Fields' decisions on social media, and I posted this video from a gentleman named Tim Jenkins that I want to share with you here. We can't pass this up as a quarterback. This is a simple Seahawk progression or simple sale progression, my apologies, where we're using that same motion across, we've got the vertical here and the sale here, right? You can alert this vertical, but in reality, this sale is your first progression. We have to get depth in our drop and we have to deliver a good ball. So right here, look, Justin, it needs to be five hitch. So here we go, one, two, three, four, five. It needs to be a clean hitch. We've got to throw this sale route. There is no reason to get off the sale at this point. Corner is running with the vertical. We have to take the sail route. DJ Moore is wide open. Wide open, wide open, wide open. Instead, for some reason, we speed read this thing. We get off that sail route. We get to the flat. And it's like, sure, it's a quality gain, right? Eight yards. But you have to attack. We have to hunt with the football. When it's there, we have to hunt with the football. We cannot Get cautious with the football. Like there is no reason to in this pocket to get off of it, man. Five clean hitch ball on the sale. Instead, we get down. That's tough, man. That's tough. Okay. That's that is tough. As soon as that play happened, I posted it on social media on Sunday, and I said, "You've he's got to see this field because this is what's been happening his first two seasons. There's right. guys open downfield." That's what been one of his problems, holding the ball on too long as another. Matt Bowen, former safety of the Chicago Bears, posted that same play and had that same remark, and he also posted this one. This is, uh, he writes, mesh concept, Mooney on the middle of the field sit route. There's pressure here, but the ball has to come out. I've heard Kurt Warner say, get the ball out. Get the ball out right there, right there. It's got to come out, Justin. This is, you can blame uh, the coaching staff and they deserve blame for their miscues, for their lack of uh, great play calling. You can blame them for anything you want, but Justin Fields deserves a big part of blame. And I'm getting fucking sick and tired of people on social media. You present facts to them and they still are backing up Justin. They can't say, yeah, he fucked up that play. Yeah, he needs to get better. It's like they're fucking protecting their own kid. Hey, I'm a Bears fan. I want this guy to succeed. I want him to win. I want him to be the absolute best for many reasons, for many reasons. But I am not going to sit there and listen to people on social media, send out posts and say it's not his fault. You got to right. give them time. It's the play calling. It's the players. Did. It's the offensive line. This bullshit. Those are two easy examples there of him having to do his job and complete the pass. Let's stop fucking lying to each other. I've been upset all day about all of this shit. Coach T, who is our new analyst on our Sunday Night Bear football. I mean, he's posting stuff that I'm like, dude, you really a coach? He's talking about a low high concept that Justin Fields was supposed to look at the halfback first and then look at DJ Moore. What? That's not football. 
Maybe that's how they do it in high school, but you don't fucking do that in the pros. You are taught to look downfield first. And if the guy is not open or you cannot throw him open, then you dump it off to the running back. I'm getting fucking pissed off by this shit. I will play devil's advocate on that one play. But keep in mind, I secretly or unsecretly agree with you. But on that play, at least the little, the screen pass to the back, at least become a first down. So it, you keep it was an eight moving. yard. See, that's the thing, though, Dan. Are we going to settle for eight yards when we could have twenty eight yards? No, no, I, mean, I agree that- with you. The your point, the larger point, is the one. It, I'm just saying on that play, maybe someone says, "Well, he he hit the guy in the flat, and you know, hey, it's a first down, okay." But the larger point to convey is that he always seems to miss the guy wide open downfield. And he's been doing that now for his, his, the beginning of his third season. And I agree with you. We, we're cheering for him, as evidenced by the jerseys. Plus, he's got our helmet on, so why wouldn't we want him to succeed? I mean, we want him to be the guy, not just a guy. We want him to be the guy. Yes. But i got to be honest with you, Aldo, and I don't think that I'm just saying this is a hot take. I felt it over the summer. I've kind of suppressed it because I was af- afraid I'd be called, you know, uh, someone like disloyal or maybe you're not really a Bears fan or you don't know what you're talking about, whatever. So I kind of just kept on the low key. But I'm at the point where I think he was exposed, like really, really exposed over the summer and and the preseason games. He wasn't even there that long. I get it. But he showed no progress. And then Sunday, it just felt like a continuation of what my gut instinct is telling me. And I hate to say it, but like, was wearing that Fields jersey on Monday when I was in your basement there on the Greg Gabriel show, and I feel like I was wearing it because I'm not going to be able to very much longer, and it's going to be obsolete. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm starting to have doubts. You know, as much as I want this guy to succeed, this is year three, and to come out against the Packers and miss out on explosive plays. I predicted they were going to be 14-3. and three. Why? Because I thought that Justin Fields was going to make a monumental leap forward, and he still can. You know, there's 16 more games, so it can start happening against Tampa Bay, or even if it starts happening in the middle of the season, I will be happy and say, okay, finally it's starting to happen. But right now, what I saw against the Green Bay Packers is a major, major letdown. And I'm reading today uh, one of the reporters, Jason Leisure in the Chicago Sun-Times, he says, this is what we were watching in training camp. And unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to get go to training camp because of my health issues, but you know, and I saw a lot of people on social media posting the truth, what they really saw, that he was not consistent with finding those open guys downfield. And so if it's not happening consistently in practice, how the fuck is going to happen in an NFL game when the game is going full speed? So I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that we're going to have to start over, draft another quarterback, or or go through this whole process, and it's going to be another five, six years of rebuilding. I don't want to go through this anymore. I want Justin Fields to be the right guy, but if he's not, I'm going to let him have it. And as evidenced, there's Coach D, by the way, who I was going off on. <laughs> but you you talked about your health just for a minute, precluding you from being able to go to training camp. Mm-hmm. Again, you you had an extra rib you've had your entire life and didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. So the point is, at any moment, any time, if there's ever an incident that encapsulates that point that we could all just die immediately, mm-hmm. just instantly, 
How how do you know you you had an extra rib and suddenly you've got a blood clot and you have an aneurysm? You could have died. So we may not be able to make it. We may not live through another rebuild. So that's what I'm saying is we we desperately want Fields to be the guy. Yeah. Not because of our own mortality, but that's a part of it. Because we just want to win and and we want to see him succeed. But I'll ask you brazenly now, do you agree with me in the fact that it's looking like if you had to put your money on it right now, he's going to be the guy or he's not? I'm saying he's not. I'm As a fan, I'm going to say, yes, he is. But that's my heart speaking. My brain is saying, "Uh, don't fucking bet anything on this. By By the way, Bruja is saying that he's leaving us because Shakira is on TV. And so I got this for you, Bruja, the weather report in Tampa. Look at this. I'm 91 degrees Saturday and Sunday at, t- at Tampa. And that's our weather girl, Saul Perez, giving you the weather. So My God. You can watch Shakira all you want. Yeah, you We've got Saul Shakira Perez. Home. You better watch her now because she may be going to prison soon. <laughs> well, for real. She's the ta- she didn't pay her taxes in Spain. She's, <laughs> Is that right? She's facing a, a, a huge prison sentence over there. Oh, my gosh. I hope they put her in my cell. <laughs> look at that lady's legs wow isn't, isn't that amazing hold on we gotta watch it one more time <laughs> oh my goodness i don't mean to objectify her but holy fuck i mean to objectify her <laughs> you have to shave to wear a dress like that and i don't mean your fucking legs <laughs> all right i'll do anything to keep my audience <laughs> he says i'm back <laughs> that is awesome all right um I want to talk about this again with Nick and hopefully uh, Tooch will join us later. We'll get his thoughts on this. Uh, this is, you know, you and I, Dan he was here over the weekend and then on Monday before he boarded a plane, we did watch the, the replay of the game again and we were just lamenting how many fucking screens and bubble screens. This is what Justin Fields said after the game. I mean, yeah, that was just the game plan. Uh, you know, uh, I think just with those, you know, we just got to do, better blocking on the perimeter so uh just to set those up i mean if you go back and look at the film if we you know block the guys i mean those are big chunk plays those are 10 15 yard plays 10 15 20 yard plays but uh, that was just a game plan you know um if they weren't going to match that's how we're going to throw it out there and you know let our guys work but um just uh didn't do our best at perimeter blocking you know blocking on the edge for our guys to catch the ball and run all right that makes me mad that makes me mad go ahead why because if that is your game plan, you have to respond to stimuli, right? If the defense is bottling up all of the screen passes, you have to make an adjustment. Yes. You have to be able to see that and say, okay, it's not working. Hey, but you know what? Number two is wide open, mm-hmm. and he's our guy, right? We, we we got him a part of that trade. We've talked about how he's going to be a difference maker. He looks like he's a difference maker. And, well, okay, if they're bottling us up, if they're expecting – this plethora of screen passes, we can we can really uh, create some matchups downfield, some opportunities, and and then it'll make them play more evenly. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, okay, that's what we came in, that was our plan, and so we're refusing to adjust to what the defense is doing. Again, that's asinine to me. Yes. 
And Coach T is right. You know, the, the block, he said this, uh, you need to watch Bear football immediately after the Bears game. Uh, Coach T, Danny Shim, and John Buffon really break it down nicely. They, there's disagreements, there's debates, there's honest analysis. Uh, and uh, Coach T was was very, very uh, critical of what Luke Getzky Getsy is doing with the play calling and the blocking scheme and so forth. And I haven't seen the JT O'Sullivan video yet. It was released uh, about an hour or two before showtime, but I'm definitely going to watch it. And it's not the first time that O'Sullivan, who does the, this uh, quarterback school uh, videos on YouTube and Patreon, it's not the first time he's been critical of what Luke Getsy is doing. It's a huge concern. I want to get back to uh, – Justin Fields, because one thing that did – oh, by the way, I want to say share one other thing. Coach T was very, very critical of the shirt that Justin Fields was wearing. Did you see that, Dan, that shirt that he was wearing? It's like a see-through, lacy thing. It looked like a doily. Hey, <laughs> he's going to get laid after the game. That's that's fine with me. Yeah, man. He's it's... not trying to get his masseuse to play with his <laughs> asshole like Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Yeah, that shirt would look a lot better on her than it did on him. But one, one of the, for you, real, just real quick, because you mentioned Getsy, our guy Jay Bonds mm -hmm. has been calling him Gutless Gutsy. Uh, gutless <laughs> Getsy. Well, there's, like there's there's probably some truth to that. You know, maybe he doesn't see like what he sees in practice, and so he's afraid to call these plays during the game. I don't know what it is, but maybe it's time for the players to uh, commit mutiny if they're executing plays in practice and they're not being called during games, then that's that's cause for mutiny. One thing I did like about uh, Justin Fields after the game, he said this. I mean, yeah, it sucks. It sucks. You know, rivalry week one, uh, going against the Packers, I mean, it sucks, you know. Uh, you know, I mean, nobody's in good spirits, but, um, you know, I mean, this one this, this one hurts. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, so uh, it, it, it definitely sucks. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you have to look at the bigger picture. Um, it's week one. Uh, we have 16 games to go in the regular season. So, um, you know, we have a lot of room to improve, a lot of room to grow. And um, I think that's what we're going to do. Uh, as long as we uh, keep that positive attitude, you know, keep um, just our mentality, just keep going, keep pushing for greatness each and every day, we'll be fine. So, uh, but it, I mean, it definitely hurts. Um, not only because, you know, it's the first game of the season and it's a loss, but it's a loss to, you know, them. So, um, so I want to say, you know, sorry to you know, the teammates, you know, all the fans that were rooting for us. And um, yeah, but you know, we'll we'll bounce back. We'll be good. He apologized. That was nice. That yeah, was you good. you wouldn't have gotten that from Cutler. <laughs> <laughs> you would have gone like this. He <laughs> said, "I've got a dick, and you can suck it." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You know, I, I feel for him, and I hate to be critical for him because I could never, never do, even if, if God were to give me the athletic skills that he has, I could never do what he does or any football player. And so I hate to be critical, but I, 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 I'm a fan. I want to see better, and I think he can do better. And so I wonder if the coaching staff is pushing him, if the coaching staff is giving him the best opportunity to, to play better. You know, can we do some improvements in the offensive line? Uh, did Ryan Post screw up uh, in terms of giving him better protection? But on some of these plays, the protection is there. And in the NFL, anytime you get that protection and you get a scheme that frees up wide receivers – the quarterback has to hit it. You got to hit it 99% of the time, man. You got to do it. Uh, this is Matt Eberflus. He was 
really, you know, and I think I thought it was a good job by the media, really pushing him up on this whole Justin Fields as he seemed to feel problems. On Fields interception, the pick six, was he, it looked like on video that he was just locked into Mooney the whole way. Did he get a good view of his options and his reads on that play? Yeah, I think he did. I think he did. I think it was working back to a quarter side. Uh, so, um, you know, he ended up trying to squeeze it in there. And, uh, you know, it was obviously, you know, obviously a, a good interception, you know, and a good return. Um, but, uh, yeah, he certainly needs to look, uh, you know, scan the field there on that one. What did he miss on the linebacker that had the interception? What should have tipped him off to identify that? Yeah, I would just say that he probably should just take, you know, move on to his next progression. That's what I would say without giving too much away. And the plays that Dan asked about, um, and there was another, the, the throw to Cole. It was a completion to Cole, but the Packer on, uh, I think it was first and goal. Or Cole got down to the four. Yeah. All those kind of bootlegs, it seemed like the Packers were right there on all of them. I know sometimes that's by design, but did they have a little bit of a bead on some of that movement stuff compared to the things we saw last year? Um, yeah, I would just say they played with guys that were on the edge um, a little bit more um, instead of squeezing. I think they were more on the edge more. Uh, that's what that's what we saw, um, you know, to take away some of those plays. And specific- that you could com- combat that? Sure. Was- yep, yep. Yep. Specifically with Fields and the decision making, how do you evaluate where he is in terms of looking downfield versus just kind of taking the check down? Yeah, we always want him to look downfield. You know that that's an important piece. You know to it. Uh, you know we always want to do that. Certainly on you know before he scrambles and runs. You know we want him to take a look downfield and see open receivers if they are there. You know so we got to keep continue to work our scramble drill, which we work a lot of. Um, you know so we always want him to do that. You know because that's where the explosive plays come. Where, where is he in terms of the decision making there? Uh, I think he's okay right now. Um, I think, you know, I was, you know, looking at those things downfield, we can always improve on that, you know, and, and the receivers need to improve on their scramble drill as well, you know, so it's 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 not just him, it's also the receivers working the scramble drill too. Dan, what do you think? Was he- he's protecting his guy, yeah. and I like that. Truthfully, I do, okay. because I don't think Matt Nagy would. Nagy would – Whatever at the end of the press conference, he would basically want to say, it's not my fault, it's Mitch's. Mm -hmm. It it would be codified, but to me, Iberflus just was protecting his guy, and I'm glad. You know, even if internally he's telling him, Justin, you got to get better. To Jason Leisure, he should protect him. Mm -hmm. That's his job. You know, if later at some point he has to bench him, that's one thing. I'm not saying he should never bench him or ever could critique him publicly, but for what that was after one week, I liked that Eberflus was saying, okay, yeah, he should have made the other read. What do you want me to do? Do you want me to, 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 to uh, yell at him? I mean, no, he made the wrong read. Okay, let's move on. You're, you're absolutely right. I, it, it's, I think it's really good for a coach to protect his players from public criticism. Sometimes if you know the player likes to get his ass kicked once in a while. So sometimes it's okay. And in the case of what is happening with Chase Claypool right now, he needs a public flogging. This was uh, part of this video. It was edited together by Mike Renner. I believe he's with Pro Football Focus. But look at these mistakes by Chase Claypool. Look at his lack of blocking here. Look at it. That's Ole! I've been to Spanish bullfights. Look at the drop screen pass. Look at, uh, again, the bad block here. And maybe that's a play design issue, but the effort on the block is not there. Again, 
just being pushed into the uh, wide receiver, and he's shrugging. I mean, this this is is not good. What is going on here? It's in, in slow motion. He gets pushed back into the ball carrier. Um, yeah, John Tooch, Johnny Zantucci is saying, you know, he, he had been saying it wasn't worth that high pick, and it's beginning to bear out. I wanted to show this play because uh, 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 Claypool's guy is blitzing. L lose that comment there. Uh, Claypool's guy was blitzing, and Chase has to stop his route. Instead of going a go route, he's got to turn around and look for because now he's the hot guy. The guy that's guarding me is blitzing, and so that means my quarterback, since I'm not blocking him, i got to turn around and look for that ball. Instead, he goes 30 yards downfield. I mean, this is, this is football 101. Even an idiot like me knows this. It's not – so Chase Claypool is under a lot of criticism. And in fact, the national media, Gil, uh, not Gil Brandt, I always say Gil Brandt, Cal Brandt uh, took to his show Good Morning Football and he really blew up on the Bears. He also picked on Mr. Brandt. I think it's this right here. It was a burn the tape type of day, burn the mm. tape. But you better believe before we burn that, no, we're going to watch it once. And just a couple things for the Chicago Bears. All right, so this is a massive day. It's the biggest Bears game in three years. It is a new Packers quarterback. Everything is at stake. The fan base really needs this one. Here are some facts. Chicago Bears had a penalty on the opening kickoff of the season. They were stuffed on two straight plays on the opening drive of the season. Then they turned around and gave a nearly perfect touchdown drive to the new quarterback, a sequence that former Bears uh, color commentator Greg Olson described as a dream drive for Jordan Love. Puke. That was Jordan Love's second start. It was Justin Fields' 28th start. The Packers started the game with the score, ended the first half with the score, and opened the second half with the score. Green Bay was 60% on third down, 100% on fourth down, 100% in the red zone. Justin Fields threw 37 passes. Three of them traveled 10 yards in the air. Three of them went to DJ Moore, who the Bears traded the number one overall pick for. DJ Moore after the game, quote, We didn't bring the juice and hype to the party today. Not sure why. And in closing, I'm going to do a blind item in the New York tabloid style. There is a player for the Chicago Bears who I'm not going to mention. I don't know what he's doing out there. He certainly doesn't look like he wants to be out there. He's a name. He's a guy you know. I'm not going to mention his name because I don't have to. If you watch five seconds of this game, you know who I'm talking about. I don't know what this player is doing, but I know he's not trying, and I don't know if he's going to be out there much longer. An unbelievably disappointing day for the Chicago Bears. Yes, the goals are still in place, but that was rough, really rough. And Coach Flus, coach him up, man. That was really bad. What do you think, Dan? I'm going to use a comparison just to take up for Claypool for just a second because everyone else is on him. Okay. You remember on winning time when Magic was frustrated and was saying, I'm playing this damn system that doesn't fit my talent. I could be doing so much more, but Westhead's insisting I play the system. And, of course, it got him frustrated. It looked like he wasn't trying. He's trying to be a good soldier, but he knows that I could be doing more. You're not utilizing me. You're not taking advantage of my skill. Maybe that's Chase Claypool here. Maybe he's not. his head's not in the game. He's like, I'm not getting a ball anyway. Why am I here? Why do they trade for me if they're not going to try to use me? Uh, I'm, I'm a fucking blocker now? I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. Sure. All the criticism is legitimate, but I won't say that he wasn't trying. I think that was a bit harsh. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, every wide receiver in the NFL blocks. Darnell Mooney, 
who is half the size of Chase Claypool blocks, and he does that a hell of a lot better That's with true. much That's more true. gusto than uh, Claypool does. The fact of the matter is that I was super excited when Claypool was traded to the Chicago Bears. I followed him at the Senior Bowl, followed him at Notre Dame, thought he's got immense talent. Um, and so I'm I'm hoping he proves everybody wrong. But the fact of the matter is, is that this guy is starting. There's starting to be whispers, and I think this is why uh, Kyle uh, – uh, pointed him out. There's starting to be whispers, and we heard about this in the media mashup from uh, uh, Sylvie of the Waddle and Sylvie show. There's starting to be whispers that this guy is a problem, a locker room problem, a prima donna problem. You were there for the game. You saw uh, 13 offensive players announced when the starting offensive liner lineup was announced. And according to Sylvie, he says that was because Chase Claypool demanded that he be announced as part of the starting lineup. And so the Bears made some accommodations and made it 13 players instead of 11. I'll let Sylvie talk about that. Do you have anything you want to share before we go to media mashup? No, but if you're telling me Chase is like, no, bro, I'm, I'm a starter. I'm elite. I'm a starter. I want to announce too. That doesn't rub me the wrong way. Mm -hmm. you, you have to believe in yourself to be to excel at that level. And I understand he has not produced since coming over from Pittsburgh. That is 100% truth. But if he's still he's fighting to say, I'm good enough, I can be this guy, that doesn't bother me. It bothers me because you've got to show it with your play. You've got to show it with your attitude. You, you, you know... This is a, a problem, but let's get to the media mashup. We'll talk more about it on the other end. Here we go. Very well. We talked about, uh, you know, high hopes, aspirations, uh, you know, theory, plans, uh, and the projections. Why. And the reasons why, Dan. But, here, but here's the thing, OB. A plan is different than preparation. And I think these morons coaching the Bears better figure it out. You know, they talk about the free agency and the training camps in the preseason. We didn't prepare. We did not prepare. And here's the thing. Anybody that thinks that we were prepared equal or better than the Green Bay Packers had to either be blind, deaf, or dumb. The two things about football is you got to have a great, you know, uh, a plan but you've got to prepare to execute that plan. And we did nothing in training camp. We did nothing in the preseason. 16 of the 22 starters with some kind of bizarre range of injuries didn't even play or practice most of the time. And now we are expected to think that we will be able to compete not only with the, the Green Bay Packers, but the rest of the NFL. You saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with a three-time reject Baker Mayfield go into Minnesota and win a game. And what did we do? Nothing. We made a mockery out of Eberflus's so-called theory, the HITS theory. That is an acronym for hustle, intensity, turnovers, and being smart. They were not, they, none of those things. We didn't hit. You know... Here's the thing. Think about the hustle part about it, Ed. You know, Eddie Jackson is playing like a clown. He's not tackling. He's blowing coverages in the end zone. Danny, he that... can't play dead, period. He can't. 
Claypool is a is is a disgrace. He doesn't block. Tremaine Edwards, our big shot, uh, you know, eighty million dollar linebacker, jumps inside on that screen to Aaron Jones, and they run it right up our address for a touchdown. Here's the thing: we talk about turnovers, you know, hustle, intensity. Turn, Green Bay zero. Us feels. Oh, he has to oblige. Not only does he fumble, but he throws a pick six that ultimately basically broke our back. All that being said, that smart part, the H-I-T-S, the S is for smart. I think it stands for something else. But you want to tell me that this is a smart coaching staff, OB? You want to tell me that schematically and preparation-wise we're better than Matt LaFleur and his staff? They outcoached us when they got off the bus before the game. And I got to tell you, it's sickening, it's inexcusable, but more than that, OB, it's unacceptable. Well, Danny, uh, uh, well put, and uh, it's not going to get any better from this side of the microphone. And I tell you folks right now, Justin Fields, what I, when we drafted him, I said it was a mistake. His first year here, he was a mistake. His second year here, he was a mistake. Now, here, his third year, his third year, is it everybody's fault but his? Is it everybody's fault but Justin Fields? He's a franchise quarterback? In what league? In what, pray tell, where, on what planet is he a franchise quarterback? It's laughable. And what do we do? This kid has played in exactly 34 games so far. He's won five and lost 29. He's our franchise quarterback. After last season, I said the most important thing for Poles to do is get rid of Justin Fields while you can get something for him. And why? Because two things about him ring true. When he was at Ohio State, and since he's been here, he's not an accurate passer. And, oh, my God, he cannot read defenses. Now, what the hell do you think a quarterback is supposed to do at this level? The two things that he has to have, those two qualities, he doesn't have them, folks. What we saw yesterday from the Chicago Bears was just an awful way to start the season, frankly, it was uh, it was a difficult one. Worst season opener since 2003 at Candlestick Park when the 49ers uh, had four takeaways against Cordell Stewart in a 49-7 Bears loss. I mean, the, yesterday was a rout. That game got out of hand uh, in the third quarter, and some of the things that you were hoping to see from the Bears and you were counting on, frankly, uh, didn't happen. Uh, You know, they've talked about uh, being a physical offense, right? How many times have you heard them talk about that and kind of leaning into that? And and certainly it worked at times last year, although it did not lead to victories. They didn't look like a physical offense to me uh, yesterday. Yes, all the running backs had a a nice run here or there, but – didn't get the kind of production they needed from their backs. Justin Fields was by far uh, their best option on the ground. Uh, improvements made to the defense uh, don't uh, 
don't count a whole lot when you give up 31 offensive points to the opponent that's without its uh, best wide receiver in Christian Watson. Uh, If you had been away from football for a number of years and had a ticket to Soldier Field yesterday and showed up and watched the game, I believe your takeaway would be that Jordan Love would be the guy making the 26th start of his career and Justin Fields would be the guy in start number two. Uh, We obviously know that uh, it's reversed for those two quarterbacks. It's a great observation, Brad, and it was great to see you yesterday. Look, in your vast experience of covering bad Bears teams, how closely connected are bad openers with the rest of the season? And I guess in the context of this year, how much do you think what we saw yesterday for three and a half hours, and it seemed like longer, is an indication that this Bears season might be over before it starts? Yeah, I, I mean, there's, I, I think, I, I truly believe there's an opportunity for this team to improve and, and play in a lot of competitive games this season, and I think there's an opportunity for this team to get better as the season unfolds because they are playing a lot of young guys. But, you know, Green Bay had a ton of young guys yesterday, and, um, you know, the, the, the Packers were ready to go. They, they took it right to the Bears. So this coming Sunday's game is critical, and, and I, you know, really generally detest the idea of must-win games. Uh, or or any kind of label of that nature, especially in September when it comes to the National Football League. But if they go down to Tampa and fly back with a loss, I I don't have a very good feeling about Week Three's trip to Arrowhead in Kansas City. Um, and and that's a I think that's also a three twenty five kick that the Bears might wish would be flexed out of uh, that late afternoon slot. You go to Kansas City then, and now you're staring down 0-3, and um, that's that's just the kind of hole that, that a team that closed last season with 10 consecutive uh, losses doesn't want to be trying to uh, dig out of. Is there any prism through which you can look at the Bears' offensive game plan and figure out what they were thinking that said that how they thought that was going to be successful. Well, I, I would say this because I think it's really easy to um, attack the coordinator on days like this. And I don't think Luke had his best day for certain. There were 48 pass plays called, right? And there's seven tuck and runs and there's four sacks and there were plays designed to get the ball down the field where the quarterback didn't throw it down the field. And so you're trying to mix in some other quick game stuff. You're trying to get your running backs involved. You're trying to loosen things up with what we saw in the preseason opener, which is let's just get some easy completions. Let's get some easy yards. Let's get that momentum rolling and then see what we can open up from there. And it just, at every turn, they made big mistakes, you know, Chase Claypool misses a block on a running play in the third quarter and what could have been a first down chain moving play gets stopped for three Uh yards and it's a small thing but you go just block that guy it's a defensive back your only assignment here is to go block that guy and the chains moved and you get a new set of downs the other part Dan is on seven of their 12 possessions they were behind the chains where it was you know first and 20 second and 18 
uh, third and 16. And all of a sudden your playbook is just minimized where, where you're just, you're, you're off script. You're not able to do, do the things you want. I thought when we talk about needing responses, you go down 17, six and you get the ball back for your first possession of the second half. And that first play is the, the play action bootleg and Justin Fields gets swallowed the minute he turns around off the play fake and it's second and 21. And so on a drive where you absolutely need to respond to what the Packers have done to you on their last two series, <laughs> you're, you're 11 yards behind the chains on your first play without even having done anything. And it was like that all day long, the penalties, the missed blocks, the sacks, the, 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 the missteps, it was, it was plentiful across the board and there's no way you're going to win more than four or five football games this season. If you don't clean up the, the details on those things really, really, quickly and that was one thing that we we talked about in transition with the morning show this idea that the amount of time dan that we hear about football players talking about the ultimate team game do your 111th and it all has to add up what what i found alarming in every level on both sides of the ball even on special teams there were so many jobs not done like that, and you talk about a real indictment of coaching for an opening game completely healthy. You've got everybody there. You handpick your roster. And wh- why were so many people bad at their individual responsibilities? So, so two answers to this, because that 35-yard punt return that Jaden Reed had came with missed tackles by Travis Homer, who's here predominantly for what he can do for you as a four phase special team. Also had and a penalty, Kari, a big and one. And Kari, yep. Kari game, who, who who's supposed to be really good for you on special teams as well. So guys you normally can rely on to do things, didn't do things. And now all of a sudden you give them another short field and the Packers took advantages of short fields all day long where, you know, you get, you get the first drive of the game and they, they get the ball at the plus 40 because of the, the sneaks that didn't work. And then that 35 yard punt return sets you up down there and you go in for a, a short field touchdown. And you just, every time that the bears gave them an inch, they took a mile and, and it was, it was brutal to watch. The other thing that you, you talked about that didn't strike me, covering the game from the press box, but rewatching it this morning and, and watching the TV copy is the body language and how dispirited it was and how little fight and, and, and get back up juice there was from this team yesterday that, you know, Tom Rinaldi, I, I tweeted this out this morning. He spent like two minutes in the third quarter talking about how just downtrodden the expressions were on the bench and they're, they're panning left and right. And it's like the, the final minutes of a playoff loss, the way guys looked and it's 17 to six with eight minutes to go in the third quarter. And those are the expressions that you have on your sideline. It just, it's mystifying to me. And I think we can all hope that this is a one-off and it's their worst performance of the season. And it better be because otherwise every time uh, that we talk on Mondays, it's going to be a pretty joyless experience for everybody. It's been real positive on these airwaves leading up to this game. Been real positive among yeah. among Bear fans, like people excited. Uh, do, do you think you guys got a, a little too high or a little too feeling good about yourselves? I know some Bears fans feel like we got too high going into the game. I would say no. I think it wasn't. I think it wasn't too many things that had to do with, I would say, like physical capabilities. I can say, I mean, realistically, I can only speak for myself and the defensive side of the ball. I think things that kind of make you start kind of second-guessing yourself, I think especially the first game week one, I think you kind of look at like missed tackles, I would say, on defense or lack of aggression. It's like I don't think we showed any of that. I think we did a really good job tackling. I think we did a really good job stopping the run. 
Um, I think really just for for me, for the defense, I think it was more so just being more detailed in our assignments, more detailed in, I feel like, being together as, as one with the Russian coverage. I think at times when there was some good um, some good moves made by the front, I think we allowed them to get the ball out too quick. And then when we were making them hold the ball on the back end, we weren't getting enough enough pressure. So, I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's anything that can't can't be fixed or that we got too high or anything like that. I think it's really just getting that unit together. And I think realistically that was our first time all being together with the addition of Yannick, D-Walk being healthy, TJ and Tremaine being healthy, Bojack, Jaquan, like all of us being back together, going full speed, live, tackling, hitting, I mean, running around, I mean, adrenaline, bullets flying. I mean, it gives – it's it's a it's a different feeling versus just at practice. So I mean, realistically, I think it wasn't about being too high. I think it was just us going out there and being able to execute at a high level for the first time. You know what you said in that first answer is interesting, man. Like you got so you haven't won since October twenty fourth of last year. You finished with ten, mm-hmm. ten straight losses to end last season, and now you lost the first game this year. Mm-hmm. Does any worry creep in? Like oh damn, we're not as improved as I thought we were. No, that's all. I mean, it's only one game. I mean, if we lost another five straight, then it's like, yeah, yeah, things don't seem too different. But, I mean, losing losing one game, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's hard to say. I don't think you're saying that to every team that's lost this. This past this past weekend. So, no, no, no. I mean, you, but you, you, you brought up the uh, the losing streak to end last year. That's the only reason I brought right, it up. Right. No, I mean, it's, it's a complete reset. I think individually, some of the guys that were here last year feel that. Everybody on the team doesn't feel that because I mean, everybody's coming from different situations. I know TJ didn't wake up this morning feeling like, oh damn, like I ain't won a game in a minute. I mean, he was just in the Super Bowl. <laughs> sure. He wins ten plus games every season in Buffalo. So I mean, I know those guys aren't feeling the same way some of us who are feeling from last year. So, I mean, it's not, that's not a team thing. That's definitely a me, a me thing. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's hard to say if other guys are feeling that same way, but I know for me, it's been a long time since I won the game. So you watched the game. What stood out most to you about the Bears effort or lack thereof? It, just that is the, the effort. You know, you had all this time to prepare for this first game. And uh, to me, the effort was disappointing. You know, um, I saw some plays, I, you know, the, the uh, eye discipline. You know, you have the tight end fall down play. Guys are running wide open defensively. That, that's not the way that that, uh, that defense is supposed to be run. You know, um, you had some turn down hits on the, at, the, at the goal line. Um, they didn't play inspired ball, you know, and there was nobody that stepped up to play inspired ball to inspire the rest of their teammates. You know, there were plays on the sidelines where your guys weren't hustling over to uh, get guys uh, out of bounds or down. You know, so this is the first thing that stands out to me. And, and one of the things that um, Iberflu says is, hey, we're in, we are going to be an effort team. You know, well, that's what was lacking the most. You know, um, um, and I'm OK with mistakes. Mistakes are going to happen, but mistakes should be happening at full speed. So I got to ask you about the game plan. A lot of people are saying it's all on Getsy, Iberflus and Allen Williams. I thought the game plan offensively was not good. Yep. Didn't stretch the field at all. But I also thought Justin wasn't good. So here's the thing. Um, the the Green Bay Packers have are one of the best defensive lines in the league. They have one of the best defensive backfields in the league. Okay? 
Um, this is a game where you, in my opinion, you you play to your strengths. Okay, and and next week may be different. But one of the things that one of the things that we did extremely well last year is quarterback runs. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I'm not saying that every week we need to do that, but against this team, probably more quarterback runs. Things that we do extremely well. You're not going to have a lot of time to pass. This team, this, this defensive line, they're very dominant. They're very tough. They're, they're seasoned. They're savvy. They know what they're doing. You have Zaire on the corner. You have a very, very good defensive backfield. It was going to be tough from the very beginning, okay? But with that much time to prepare, there should have been a better game plan. There should have been a better game plan top to bottom. I've just been talking about this defense. Cap's probably tired of me talking about it, but I'm talking about this defense all off season because I was looking for someone that'd be able to get to the to the quarterback. Lance, last year, quarterbacks' uniforms are way too clean. It yeah. was not the inability to get to the quarterback bothered the hell out of me last year. Now, you know, this year, you have Ngakwe. So the question is, you know, who else do you think can step up on this defensive line to be able to help? Ngakwe, Ngakwe got his sack yesterday, but what else? Who else can be able to step up in this spot? Well, we also got to stop the run as well. We got to be able to stop the run. And here's the thing, you know, when we went into the offseason, there were some decisions that have to be made. You know, are we going to lean toward the O-line or are we going to lead toward the D-line? You know, and we did. We 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 picked up some guys in the uh, uh, in Billings that's supposed to get some push up front. We didn't get any push. That pocket for Green Bay was was perfect all day long. And it's not like they did anything that was that that you didn't expect. Mm-hmm. All right, he started with with short passes. You know, you started with short passes and early in the game, those those built confidence. You know, they ran screens. You know, the problem with screens are if you don't have if you don't turn and run to the ball with effort, uh, uh, screens turn from five yard gains to twenty yard gains to touchdowns. Okay, so it, again, when you talk about you know, I opened up about effort. All right. Effort gets players down. Mm-hmm. All right, you you the, the the screens. If you watch the screens when the Bears uh, threw a screen, those uh, defensive linemen turn and hauled butt over to get those to get our players down. All right, they recognized it quick and they got over there. When Green Bay threw screens, all right, we recognized. It. I don't whether they recognized it early or late. They weren't hauling butt to get over to the, to get that player down. All right, there's a difference. Yeah. All right. The Green Bay's defense played with the effort that that the Bears should have been playing with. We, I, I've been saying this for years now. Your 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 very predictive data points that you could look at to what makes a good offense in the NFL: pre-snap motion, play action, teams that you know. Yurko and I were talking about this earlier. Largely are looking to bypass third down as best they can, right? Yeah. Um, first down pass attempts, and again, Olson talked about it during the game. Early down rushes. Ready? Early down rushes. I'm listening. That's first and second down, obviously. Early down rushes. Bears put up yesterday a negative .14 EPA per play. Early down pass attempts, positive .17. Guess what they didn't do enough of? Early down pass attempts. Yes. Like, your, your play calling and script yesterday was very vexing and flummoxing. And when it's vexing and flummoxing, and flummoxing. Yeah. it's a problem, Yurko. And if your if your tight end's a ten million dollar tight end, twelve million, yeah, you better find a way to get him open, yeah, and hit him. That's his security blanket. Twelve million. I, I saw them one one slant with DJ Moore. One 
where they hit him on rhythm. It's the one we saw in practice. One. We saw that in practice. Yes, we did. And go, take a look. That's what it should look like. Yes. And it should look like left, right? It should look like a number. And then when you start hitting that one, then it got to squeeze you a little bit. Then you could start hitting him on the deep ball. You Amen. fake it in and you start going. Amen. But they it's got to it, be over and once. over and over again. They did it once. In 35 pass plays, that needs to be run Brutal. a lot. And look, this goes back to June where a lot of people came after me and, and my source um, from inside the building that I will 1,000% stick with um, who told me that this is a guy who is not self-motivated. And today going around Twitter now is Kyle Brandt's piece from this morning where he talked about um, and he alluded to Chase Claypool I forgot the exact quote, but not, and I'll play, let me, let me play this for you. There is a player for the Chicago Bears who I'm not going to mention. I don't know what he's doing out there. He certainly doesn't look like he wants to be out there. He's a name. He's a guy you know. I'm not going to mention his name because I don't have to. If you watch five seconds of this game, you know who I'm talking about. I don't know what this player is doing, but I know he's not trying, and I don't know if he's going to be out there much longer. So he's not trying is what Kyle Brandt on a Good Morning Football is saying. Um, so that's going around now, too. Um, Jared Payton has sent out the video about him missing blocks, dropping passes. Like uh, it, it, it's, it looks very lackluster to very little effort being put in. Look, uh, it, it, I'll, I'll say this. The eye in the sky don't lie. OK, like a lot of people can talk all big in June about this and that and who's got this and who's got that and Sylvie doing stuff for clicks. The eye in the sky don't lie. Tell me that that looks like a motivated player. That's damning. That's damning video. This is another example of why I said to you earlier today that that film, offense, defense, and special teams, if I was the coach, would have been watched by all of us together. But again... What are they doing? Are they are they coaching him tough, or are they giving him a pseudo starting spot because he's upset that he's not a starter? That's why why I'm drawing this here. This is a team that's not being coached hard. This is a team that's being handed stuff that doesn't be deserve to be handed anything. They have lost nine in a row to the Packers. They have lost ten in a row to the division. They have lost eleven straight games dating back to last year. This team does not need to be handed anything. They need to be earning stuff. Nate Davis needs to be earning his starting spot. Chase Claypool needs to be earning to be introduced out there on the starting lineup or his spot on the depth chart. They don't need to be handed anything. So if you want to call it meathead, fine. But you need to earn stuff when you're in the National Football League, Waddle. Dan Aguirre, what'd you think? What struck out, stuck out to you? Lance. God, Lance Briggs. I felt like that was a thesis of the whole day. I mean, that could have been the, if we had one of those comments, if you just said, what is the most powerful message coming from the entire media mashup? I think that that's the one that is the epitome of what all of us, I think, collectively feel, whether we worded it in a similar fashion, you know, it's, it's irrelevant, but it felt like there was no effort. I mean, all of us, oh, not all, a lot, the majority of us were worried about the lack of preseason play and 
you know, some of that due to injury, some of it due to coaching, but like, God, why are they, you can't just turn it on like that when you've been a scrub team for, you know, what, five years now, essentially, but we had hope. We did. But it just looked like they were having their first preseason game and Green Bay was in week 10 mode. Hmm. <sighs> yeah, you know, it, it, the whole thing with Clay, Claypool, Sylvie saying, you know, he had this source back in June. I remember even Greg Gabriel here at the bottom said, you know, that's a full of shit story. But I don't know now. I don't know. Um, and hopefully Who Claypool, do you think the source is then? Uh, well, Is it someone in management or is it someone affiliated with the team? I would probably say it's somebody, you know, who works the locker room, you know, trainer, towel boy, somebody like that. They hear stuff in the locker room. They hear other players talking about Chase. Um, and so I'm, I am, I'm speculating, but right, of course. Yeah. So I, I don't know for sure, but I don't, I don't think it's like, Ryan Poles or any of his assistants or somebody in marketing, I think it's a low level person who overhears a lot of things and shares it. Um, and Sylvie being a former journalist, probably former writer, right? Yeah. He vetted him. He, you know, you asked the questions to make sure, yeah, I got a good feeling that this guy isn't bullshitting me. So that's my guess. What do you think? I still think, that over the summer at the time in the context that that wasn't fair to chase Claypool at that moment in time to say that. And even now it was only week one. So I still have hope for, for chase to turn it around if he wants to exert the effort and he's, he should, because he's trying to get paid whether yeah. that's here or somewhere else. And I mean, I still go and bring the show full circle. I still have hope that Justin's going to be the guy mm-hmm. just have, fear now that he isn't i was blindly supporting him last year and i was the guy the chronic excuse maker for him well the first year doesn't count because matt nagy was here matt nagy's a fool he's adjusting to another system a new system every three four years you go back to college uh the defense was bad the offensive line was bad wider series are bad the whole team was bad coaching was bad he's going to be the man this year <laughs> so I, I, you got to hold him accountable now. You can't keep making – I say you in second person, not no. you specifically. You can't just keep making excuses for him, and now it's time to, to either show you're the guy or you're not. Right. I don't mean to keep harping on fields, but I feel that – No, I, I think we're – It's the of the day. Yeah, I, I think that's – you know, if you're going to write the book of the 2023 season, chapter one opens with, you know, is JF1 – the one uh, and based on that performance against the green Bay Packers, all anyone who had feelings trending up have to at least have those feelings now plateauing and taking a, you know, show me something before I go out and buy more jerseys. I mean, how many more can I buy? <laughs> well, those are the only four that we wear now at this juncture. So, but even if they suddenly said, Oh, we're bringing back the forties throwback, the blue with just the straight up orange, you would go buy it. Uh, maybe not Fields. Yeah. I, I would, maybe I, somebody I feel like it's going to be around a few more years. I don't even know who that would be at this point. Do you have a Devin Hester jersey? I don't. I don't know. Okay. I never got a Devin jersey for some reason. So get a Rashawn Johnson, also known as Devin Hester number 23. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would have been more apt to getting him if he'd have kept 30. Because yeah. the 23 is so synonymous with Devin. 
I'm with you 110%. I wish he would not have changed to 23. I thought 30 was a cool number. Uh, if you think back at all the great players who have worn number 30, I can think of maybe I think one. Mike Brown. I've got a Mike Brown that's, Bears that's 30 it. jersey. Yeah, that's it. There's nobody else. All right, let's get the opinion about Justin Fields and everything else going on with Chase Claypool, the Chicago Bears, from my friend Chicago Nick. Nick, he uh, is the lead host of the Just Another Year podcast. Uh, hi, how are you, brother? What's going on, guys? Good. Happy to talk Bears, and I couldn't agree more with everything that you guys have just been saying. I was in backstage just shaking my head, so it's crazy. It's a crazy time right now. So let me just ask, where is your level of confidence right now that Justin Fields can begin to improve on his procession so that he hits the open man, throws open a man that isn't always checking down when there are open men downfield and improves his accuracy? On a scale from 1 to 10, with 10 being the most confident, where are you at? People are going to think I'm nuts, but I'm at a 6.4. I, I really think I I think that Getsy De, definitely got talked to after the game and said, you got to let this guy rip it because mm-hmm. when he did rip it, I think he went three for three on passes that were 15 yards or more. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm at a 6.4 right now. I was at an 8.4, but went down a little bit, but a lot of it, I blame on Getsy. And Dan, uh, based on what you just said, I got to believe you're at under five with your uh, guess uh, uh, on our scale here. What was the scale again? I, from, I got one, from one to 10, with 10 being very, very confident, how confident are you that Justin Fields is going to improve his progression so that he can spot the open man and throw the ball more accurately so that he can hit the open man? I'm just going to stay safely at five. Okay. Again, I, I'm rooting for him. I want him to to excel. I'm never going to turn on him in that aspect. And I didn't boo him at the game. Mm-hmm. I did say that, you know, had he been benched, I couldn't have argued against it if they'd have said, okay, let's bring we're bringing Peterman in here late in the third quarter, especially after the pick six, and then after that when he's rattled and can't even complete a screen pass there. But I do feel that there is a legitimate worry and anxiety that he's not going to be that man. So I'll just be right safely in the middle then and just say it's a five. Okay. Um, what about Nick with this whole Chase Claypool stuff? I know you've heard the stories. He's a prima donna and he doesn't, you know, he, he wanted to be named with the starters at the beginning of the game when they were introduced to the fans. Uh, Sylvie back on ESPN in June got re- shared reports from inside the locker room, blah, blah, blah. What's your take on uh, Chase Claypool? So a few things I want to say about Claypool, and and I was able to get a little bit of an insight of just just going to games and, you know, the camp and everything. I think a little bit of it is blown out of proportion. I think that he's kind of lost right now because he, you know, his rookie season in Pittsburgh, there was so much promise. There was so much hype behind him. And then he was put in a bad situation. Big Ben leaves. He starts getting different quarterbacks that, you know, aren't a potential future Hall of Famer type quarterback. And Claypool hasn't had the opportunity to show what he can really do because physically, you know, from a combine perspective, he's a freak on paper. I mean, he 44 inch vertical, you know, runs under a 4.4 40 time for a guy being as big and strong as him. 
So he is just a naturally gifted athlete. And one thing I think with Claypool is that he feels lost. He's still a young guy. You know, he's, he's under 26 years old. Um, you know, the maturity might not be there. It's, he's definitely more mature than he was when he was a rookie. But I think it's a little bit on him not having that maturity factor, but it's also on the team. They, I feel like Poles maybe brought him in as the guy and he felt like I am the guy. And then he went in and got DJ Moore. And Claypool's like, okay, I'm not the guy. But he was never the guy anyway when he got here because Darnell Mooney was the guy. That's Justin Fields' guy. Mm-hmm. So a lot of different emotions, a lot of different signals are going to Claypool, and I think he's confused, just as anyone else would be walking into a new job. Um, the whole thing about him not getting announced with the starters, you got to earn that, Chase. That's that's what he's, you know, I think he's missing is that, Bears fans are very, very, as we all know, and I'm kind of looking over at the chat a little bit, and I've been listening to you and Dan before, like we're very serious about this team. And I don't think Chase has earned that respect yet. He has been put in a tough position, but being the athlete that he is and being what he wants to be, you got to put adversity aside and go out and be that guy. Uh, Maybe Getze has a lot to do with why Claypool's mad. But Claypool has nothing to be mad about at the moment because until he starts proving his opportunities, nothing's going to change. Yeah, it, um, Dan, I hope you're still there. It seems like Nick is somewhat complimenting complimenting what you said earlier. Well, with regards to Claypool, the thing that I would say, again, I'm using that reference to winning time, but I still feel like there's a chance if I'm trying to take Clay, uh, Chase's empathy toward his position even if he hasn't earned that but i'm just trying to be chase claypool for a moment i still think that the bears have not utilized his talent or his skill and any fair-minded person if they were in that guy's cleats would feel frustrated like why did you bring me here if we're not it would be like any other sport if you got traded for somebody why did you bring me here if i'm not you know, a part of the offense. You traded a second round pick and you're just not using me. I'm just a guy. And and now you're fucking with my bottom line and my ability to get paid in the offseason. Like, I understand why he's frustrated. At the end of last season, I defended him when I think he threw a helmet or something. I'm like, at least he's showing fire. The rest of the team is fucking down and not and okay with losing. So I like him. Like, I like the fact he wants to be in the starting lineup. I like the fact he's saying, no, I'm, I can ball. It's this fucking shitty game plan that's holding me back. I want that because it feels like the Bears have a lot of yes men around the building. They're just happy to be there. And I think this guy wants to show he's a star. Is he a star? Maybe not. But I like the fact that he thinks he is. Well, the thing is, is you got to, if you think you're a star, play like a star. You know, don't give me this. Don't give me this blocking attempt. You know, every receiver has to throw that block. Darnell Mooney throws it, throws it a lot better than that. Darnell Mooney catches the ball a lot better on those screen passes. Again, another bad block. You know, this is just, it's a, it was one of the worst performances by a Chicago Bear in recent memory. This guy had a bad game throughout. The body language is awful. He's shrugging his shoulders after he misses. And maybe he's complaining about their, you know, the play was run wrong or something. But it just it just does not look good. And hopefully he'll meet with the media. This is that he should have stopped right there. Should have stopped right there because his guy was blitzing. 
And so he's it's football 101. If you're a defensive back, the guy in front of you blitzes, you stop after a five, seven, ten yard, whatever is agreed upon, and catch that pass. I can't believe he wasn't coached on this. And if he wasn't, then uh, you know, let's all gather at the town square and watch the beheading of these coaches. You mentioned Mooney. Is he still alive? I, I'm just curious. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't think he would, you know. They, they have, I think he played on the field after after Fields threw that pass to him at the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think there was any talk about, you know, him being on an injury report. I know the injury report comes out tomorrow, but the reporters didn't ask about his health, at least as far as I know. So I'm assuming he's okay, but, you know, the Bears aren't going to volunteer anything. That was sickening. Yeah, sickening. That was hey, real quick, I don't want to interrupt. I want to give Nick more time right here. He's the guest. Sure. Uh, has anyone heard about Kyler Gordon's hand? Because, again, he left the game and didn't return. Yeah, have you heard something, Nick? Yeah, so uh, rumors dropped earlier today that Kyler Gordon apparently broke his hand. Uh, nothing has been fully confirmed until Wednesday's report. But insider leakage from someone you guys were kind of talking about someone that is hearing too much that is feeding out way too much. Apparently, Kyler Gordon did break his hand and is out for six to eight weeks. Um, I'm oh, hoping shit. that that's a rumor. But, yeah, that's that's a big loss. But my guy, Josh Blackwell, did a pretty good job filling in for him. So I'm feeling a little confident about the situation. But, yeah, big blow, especially Gordon was looking so good in camp. I'm, I was pretty sad about it. You had Blackwell on your show, right, Nick? I did, and I actually had the opportunity last week. A week ago tonight, I got dinner with him. Uh, kind of got to do like a little one-on-one, you know, no mm -hmm. microphone. I was like, no microphones, no cameras, just, you know, guys being dudes. And, yeah. you know, these guys are people too. And it, it's crazy his it, the stress he was going through because he was one of the last roster spots. And I was like, man, I – He's the most humble guy ever. I hope that everyone gets a chance to talk to him. But he's a hell of a player, too. He did a great job last year against Green Bay when he got the start. Did a great job filling in for Kyler, too. But it sucks. It's a crappy injury, but good to know that we have the guys to back him up. It's great to hear that he's a good guy. Um, that's that's important. Dan, you got any questions for Nick? You want to fly fire at him? Yeah, well, uh, I'm curious to hear more about his dinner there. I mean, it's not every day that – did you say, ah, I went out with the players, you know? I mean, how'd that come about? So I, um, it's funny you said that. So Dan, one, nice to officially meet you. I, I know we've interacted before on social, but uh, haven't had My pleasure, my pleasure. Meet you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so I was talking to Josh. I tweeted him. I was like, hey man, would love to have you on the show. This was back in July. And I said to him, I was like, hey, like, you know, would love to have you on the show replied immediately would love to come on i was like oh sweet so we started going back and forth uh we did a little you know pre-session and then after him and i talked for like an hour and a half got to know him a little bit and he was like you know i was like where do you go where do you go out for food like what chicago food do you like he's like honestly man i go to the same three places that's just by my apartment i was like oh no we got changed that so uh, i took him to a chicago stable uh carson's ribs in deerfield yes. um so I was like, I got to take it to my place. You know, they're good people over there. And Josh was like, yeah, man, just let me know. So I was, it was the week, it was what, last, it was a Thursday before the game. Texted him and I was like, hey, man, I'm free Tuesday night. I don't know if you're on or off, but if you want to go get grub, immediately got a response. Yeah, I'm down and got to know all about him. 
We talked about the Green Bay game. He was very confident going into that game, like most players were. Uh, felt really good with the game plan. Got to ask him, you know, how do you feel about, you know, Alan Williams? How do you feel about, you know, the secondary overall? How do you feel about the team? And Josh was like, we're, we're right there. Like, this team is going to shock a lot of people. You know, um, I don't want to say too much, but we are, we are going to be a scary team. And obviously that didn't happen on Sunday. But then I texted him after. I was like, hey, man, just want to say you did a great job. You know, great job filling in. And he was like, really appreciate the support. Like, it's one game that doesn't, doesn't define this team. He's mm-hmm. like, we're here to win. And, and really, really nice guy. Totally down to earth. Um, and also, I found out he's a big golfer. So hopefully going to take him, show him some of the Chicago courses around here. Uh, some nice courses in Chicago area. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Hey. And, you know, and it seemed to me like the defense was fired up to play in that first half. Dan, you were there, you know, that one, like, for instance, that one play, I think it was third down uh, that Jordan Love was forced to call a timeout. The crowd noise was real loud. The players on the defense were all waving the fans to make noise and stuff. They were fired up. And what, what did they give in the first half? They gave up uh, seven points, was it? Ten, Ten. points? So tell me, what was your assessment of the defense in the first half, Dan? I think everybody made an excuse for the defense uh, in the first half. With that touchdown, they're like, oh, it's because, you know, they gave them a short field. So it was mm-hmm. kind of like, to use the golf term, a mulligan. It was, no one was saying that, you know, they should have they should have done better or whatever, you know. I think everyone across the board was thinking, all right, they were put in a bad spot. So they're here. They're going to play well. And then when that touchdown drive happened to start the second half. And as soon as the bears came back on offense and started doing the same old shit with the horizontal passing, that's when the whole stadium kind of collectively was like, you know, boo, boo, fuck up. We're booing Getsy. We're booing Justin. We're booing the team, everything. The rest of the second half, they lost the crowd after that opening drive in the second half and then the Bears being so flat on offense. And by the time Fields fumbled and then the pick six, Fields might as well have been a Packer. <laughs> That's how bad the, the crowd did not want to see him the rest of the game. And there's, I kept hearing drunk people behind me say things like, yeah, yeah, we know you can run. Who gives a fuck if you're running now? We're down 28. Throw the goddamn ball. That's what, what I was hearing in the stands. And, of course, just booze, you know, across yeah. the board. So – they, if they wanted to alienate their fan base, they found the perfect game plan to do so. <laughs> Before we get talking about the Bears, I don't want to forget to ask you this. Uh, Nick, uh, Sports Talk USA asks that he senses a Boston accent. Are you from Boston area? No, no. I am from uh, – my family is from Rogers Park, Illinois, so, you know, the most northern part of the city. So, no, not from Boston, but I've – Never got you know who Nick sounds like. Before. What does he sound like? He sounds like Adam Johns. <laughs> you do from the Sun Times. <laughs> oh, the athletic. Yeah, the the athletic and Hogan Johns. Yeah, you do any relation there, Nick, to Adam Johns? No, I listen to him all the time though. <laughs> so <laughs> I've never thought about that. You know, sometimes you don't hear your own voice until it's like recorded. Oh yeah. So, oh man, I didn't get. I never put that two together. But no, no relation at all. Yeah. Getting back to the defense in that first half, you know, one of the other things that 
uh, concerned me is that Jordan Love, probably in that first half alone, missed three big plays. He just missed through the ball, overthrew it, uh, a little off target, whatever. And, you know, if he would have completed those, like Dan told me on Monday when we rewatched the game together, if it was Aaron Rodgers, he would have hit those passes. And who knows what the deficit would have been at halftime. Uh, so, you know, I mean, you could say that about every game, you know, this didn't happen, that could happen, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, I, I'm almost reluctant to give the defense any credit, given that we were playing essentially a rookie quarterback, his second NFL start. Um, and I do think that a lot of the reason that – Jordan Love outplayed Justin Fields in this game was because he was better prepared. LaFleur did a better job of preparing him than than Eberflus and 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 Getzey did in preparing Justin Fields. It's like those three preseason games that Jordan Love played, it was in preparation for the Bears. It wasn't, you know, for anything else other than that. And Fields just went in there on a real small pitch count, and it w- wasn't strategically thought out is my guess. I'm speculating here. But at least uh, Johnny Santucci agrees with me. <laughs> what do you guys think? Ah, oh, man. Uh, I'll let Dan go. For, uh, that's, uh, I, I don't know how to respond to that one out of the gate. Well, I'm trying to give you more uh, mic time here. I'm trying to, to allow the Nick to shine. So take it. <laughs> Nick shines no. every on every one of his podcasts. No, no. Uh, I I'm just, I'm still so shocked overall by the entire game. So so I just want to make sure I'm understanding the question correctly. Are we talking about just the first half in regards to how it was only 10-6? Like I just want to make sure I'm understanding the question correctly as well. Yeah, you know, it wasn't really so much a question. It was just your observations of this defense, you know. are I'll ask it this way. What's your level of concern for the defense? Just like the Justin Fields question, you know, from 1 to 10. Where are you in terms of hope, belief, uh, that this Bears defense is going to be a top 15, somewhere in the middle of the market as opposed to the bottom of the barrel, which is what we've been last season and to, to start this season, you know, giving up uh, three touchdown passes to a quarterback, uh, a lot of yards and stuff. Uh, how confident are you that we can get closer to to being a quality defense? So – this, I mean, the one thing that I am trying to be optimistic about is that this unit, this was the first time this unit played all together a full game. I mean, they played a couple drives together. They played, um, you know, a, that's about it in the preseason and camp. So they played against themselves. So they were able to know everyone's weaknesses and strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, Yannick came out of the gates hot. I will say that because, you know, he had the big tackle for loss in the first quarter. And then he had the sack to close out the second half or the first half. And then he had that big tackle for loss to start things off. Overall, Yannick, Yannick is a true veteran, someone that we actually really needed. So hats off the polls for bringing that in. You know, Edmonds is the new leader. He was rusty, wasn't really there all offseason. So Sam Bourne's not used to playing with him. TJ Edwards also isn't used to playing with him. So those two are kind of getting used to each other too. And, you know, TJ Edwards had 14 tackles, had a really nice game. Um, the secondary as a whole, that group has no excuses. My concern right now is Eddie Jackson. 
Eddie Jackson's coming out full blown swing saying I'm having a career year. I'm going to do big things. And he got absolutely cooked by Jordan love in the coaching staff. And it drove me absolutely crazy that Eddie Jackson on overthrows is acting like he had anything to do with that. And I was like, stop, you're just embarrassing the bears defense right now. Cause you're not doing anything because that touchdown that went, that they scored in the first half, who was it over? Eddie Jackson, the throw where Jordan love is literally fading away, throwing it to his tight end on the other side of the field. Who's supposed to be in coverage there. Eddie Jackson, Eddie Jackson wasn't tackling. Eddie Jackson wasn't doing anything. You're, you're saying you're going, coming in for a career year. And, you know, at the beginning of last season, you started this way too, but it was just an ugly performance. And your leader, one of your captains on defense is not performing to the highest expectation. That is a big problem. I thought that Justin Jones also, you know, put his foot where his mouth was with all the comments he made in the beginning of the season. And I love Justin Jones. I've interviewed him twice. Really nice guy. But, you know, being a nice guy and being a top football player is two different things. And I think Justin Jones could have done a little bit more. Uh, Andrew Billings was out there. I thought Andrew Billings did a great job. But overall, this and Demarcus Walker was bringing the energy. But this defense, no one was bringing energy at all. And that was a big problem because as Chicago fans, we feed off that. We feed off, you know, the Bears defense doing well, the Monsters of the Midway. And then the offense feeds off the defense's confidence. So if you're not showing confidence there or vice versa, if you're not showing confidence there, it's an it's not good. So overall, my my concern for the defense right now is no, statistically they are not a top 15 defense. They're not even a top 20, they're a top 25 defense. Not really saying much. I think that this defense has still a ton of potential. I think Alan Williams seat is red hot right now because Poles went out and got him all this talent, young talent, and they didn't do it against Green Bay. One thing I'll say, though, and you guys can disagree with me if you want, but, or please disagree with me, is that I look at the score and it's not as bad. It's 38 to 20. That's bad. But 10 of those points came on offensive turnovers. There was the fumble that led to a field goal and then the interception that went for seven. So the game is 28 to 20. And there was a few plays that could have gone the other way. The defense still overall did not get pressure on Jordan Love against a banged-up Green Bay Packers offensive line. And... I think that the game was a little bit, it was the defense was bad, but it wasn't last year bad. And that's what we needed, but it just looked that much worse that it was against the Packers on opening day. So level of concern, if we're going back to the one of 10 scale, 10 being super concerned, one being not concerned, I'm at a seven because okay. this team needs to turn it around and make it a, at least a four next week, especially mm -hmm. against Baker Mayfield. That was a long rant, but yes. That's that Please is can I touch on some of that? Please do. Yeah. First off, the Eddie Jackson stuff. I feel like Eddie's not been the same since the last game we beat Green Bay, which was when they clinched the division with Trubisky, and he got hurt at the end of the game and missed a playoff game. He was dressed but didn't play in the double-doink game against Philly. I thought Eddie was terrible in 19, terrible in 20, terrible in 21, and showed signs of a resurgence in 22 before he got hurt. So I guess we all had hope that – he was going to continue the upswing, but dude hasn't really been the same since he was wearing 39 back in 2018, in my opinion. Uh, he doesn't like to tackle. We, we've been blaming it on the other safe. Well, he's 
having to come in the box too much since Amos left and it, it, they're not really taking advantage of his skill. It's just he hasn't been the same since 2018. Justin Jones, I was complaining last year, I thought wasn't doing anything. I Again, I'm not someone that's breaking down the tape, watching him play and Walker. I was like, God, neither the, one of these guys are giving us anything right now. And with regards to energy, I thought, I know he got burned, but I thought 29, Stevenson, had like that fire that we were wanting from everybody. Again, it's he's a rookie. It's his first game. But I thought that dude was bringing it a little bit. And uh, the same thing with Johnson on offense, where you just tangibly look at him, and he, he's got more energy than everybody. But having said that, too, I know we're talking defense. I want to mention that Foreman was running hard, too, even though he didn't get a lot of carries. But if I answered what you asked him on defense, my concern is probably also a seven because they don't want to blitz. The front four is not getting any pressure. The safeties, I mean, Brisker is giving, he, he's coming back from an, an apparent injury uh, with the groin and they got banged up in the game. I'll give him that much credit for persevering. But I have, you know, Jackson's not giving us anything. And now Gordon's out. I mean, that's Gordon's a, a second round pick for a reason, right? I mean, he didn't have a great rookie year, but we're counting on him. And now he's out for two months. That's a huge injury to me. So I'm megally concerned, especially when you've got an offense that's not carrying the, the weight it should be doing, that being, you know, number one. So, yeah, I am very concerned about the whole team in general and the coaches. I don't feel like they put anyone in the position, Alan Williams or Matt Eberflus, for that matter, because whatever Alan Williams is doing, ultimately Eberflus is advocating. Exactly. Signs off on all the game plans. So they're defensive like brothers, basically, right? Mm-hmm. They both came from Indy together. It's kind of like Nagy whenever Nagy was uh, not really calling the offense, kind of was calling the offense. You know, I mean, it's like that's his baby. Well, Eberflus's baby's supposed to be the D. The D. I mean, like your point about maybe they didn't really give up thirty-eight. Maybe it wasn't as bad as it saw that we saw. I could see some of that too. But they couldn't get off the field on third downs and shit. Like, that was a continuation of last year. But, again, the offense has got to pull its weight, too. The whole damn team is a concern. That's the understatement of the show. (laughs) The whole (laughs) damn team is. You know, the one thing, though, that we should consider, and we've talked about this, you know, besides, you know, Nick pointed out, you know, the players were – were in essence playing for the first time because of the injury situation and preseason. It was sort of like a, the, a, the first preseason game, given that all the starters are playing. It, it's sort of felt like the old game three out of four game preseason. Everybody got out there for the first two, three quarters. Um, but the other thing to consider is that aside from, you know, the unknown of Jordan Love and the wide receivers and Christian Watson being hurt, it's a pretty fucking good team over there in Green Bay. I mean, they've got, what, seven or eight guys who were first-round draft picks on defense. That offensive line, you know, with David Bakhtiari, who was just a sensational left tackle. The guy doesn't need any practice. He shows up and plays all-pro level. Elton Jenkins. Uh, the center, Josh Myers, uh, John Runyon, big guy out of Michigan. And I think their right tackle is Yash Nijman. You know, that's a solid co- uh, offensive line that's had a lot of snaps together, unlike what the Chicago Bears offensive line is. So I, I'm not, 
you know, I'm not saying that the Packers are going to go to the Super Bowl, but when you compare rosters, they got a roster that uh, is a little further ahead in the rebuilding plan than than um, um, Ryan Poles' rebuilding plan is with the Chicago Bears. So, Nick, playing the Tampa Bay Bucks, you know, what have you heard? What do you know? What are your concerns about about it? And do you think that we're going to walk away potentially with a victory? I mean, you know me. I walk in every game saying the Bears are going to win. That's just <laughs> that's just who I am. I mean, I woke up today. I was like, oh, new week. <laughs> you know, we go. forget about last week. But um, all things aside, there is concern. Uh, there is no doubt about it. You know, the one, the biggest concern I have is, are we going to throw the damn ball? Like mm. running it, I have no problem. Rashawn Johnson looked great. He averaged four yards a carry, 5.8 yards per catch. You know, Cleo Herbert almost averaged four yards a carry. And Foreman, kind of like Dan was saying, was bulldozing over everybody. The energy was there, but it wasn't throughout the whole team. My number one concern is just throwing the ball. Justin can make time for himself with his feet because his offensive line clearly wasn't doing anything. And, you know, another concern is that Tampa Bay front seven. I mean, they're still a scary defense even after a lot of people that they lost last year. So just, I think Luke Getzey needs to say to himself, yep, Justin's going to have to run the ball a lot, and he's going to have to make plays and, like, room for himself a lot. So that's my number one concern out of the gate. And just kind of from what I'm seeing on Twitter, kind of some inside stuff, is that Getzey knows that. Getzey knows that he needs to throw the damn ball. And that's maybe it was first week jitters. Let's get this offense going. Because think about it, during the preseason, Justin didn't really air it out at all. And that was, I think, a huge problem of Flus. That's on Flus, agreeing with his coach's game plans while his starters were out there. Because Flus comes out there and says, yeah, we're going to play him every game. Okay, that's great. But you For two downs with a couple of horizontal passes? No, that's not what we want. The Buccaneers defense is super talented. They're going to bring the heat at Justin. Concern number one for me. Concern number two is the defense. I mean, Baker Mayfield looked like the Baker Mayfield that Cleveland wanted. Looked looked like the Baker Mayfield that came into L.A. and shocked everybody on, what was it, Monday Night Football? And then Mm -hmm. didn't do really anything else after. I mean, Baker Mayfield is not a quarterback to take lightly. I would take him over, you know, Nick Nick Foles or Mike Glennon any day back in, in those days for the Bears. I would take Baker Mayfield. But... You know, how he plays. I mean, the, the, the Tampa Bay team, I was kind of shocked that they beat Minnesota. I wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a concern for me. And then kind of the over, overlying thing is the injuries. I mean, first of all, we don't know how Mooney's doing. We, we don't. He got blown up on that last play. I saw someone ask how I felt about him playing in garbage time. I think it was an idiotic move. I think Equinamia St. Brown should have been out there. I think that guy's that aren't going to be part of this game plan should have been out there because the game was over with a couple minutes left. Um, And I know that you want to keep fans engaged, whatever, but that's not the point. I think what we need to be afraid of is this Tampa defense is that they're going to feast off of Justin Fields and this offensive line. If they can't make a game plan that's designed runs for Justin to break it to the outside. Because once Justin is in open field, He's he's gone. He's going to get 10, 15 yards. Moving the chains is uh, just the overall biggest concern in how our defense is going to handle a 
arguably very tough Tampa Bay wide receiver room and running back room. Uh, uh, do the Bears walk out with a win? I always think so. Is it going to be a close game? I think it's be closer than a lot of people think. Uh, I saw some people throwing in some uh, scores in the comments. If I'm going with a Bears win, it's going to be by three points. I'm not going to say an exact score because I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be a very, very close game in Tampa. Dan, you got any thoughts? I think if the Bears win in Tampa, they're going to need some help. Maybe that means turnovers, short fields, the kind of things that we gave Green Bay on Sunday. Mm -hmm. uh, but you got to be hydrated, all those things. Unfortunately, I think St. Brown was inactive, on. not to go back to Nick, but I think he was inactive Sunday. So, oh, was he? Uh, yeah, you'd have to bring out Tyler Scott or, or that number 15 that we just picked up as the extra receivers. Uh, I mean, not to contradict you or anything. I'm just saying with that particular no, day. No. I think on Sunday, you know, especially without Kyler Gordon, I, I think that's a huge letdown for me to, to see that he's out. And like you said, Tampa's got good wide receivers. That's going to be scary. They're going to need some help. They're going to need some turnovers, some short fields. And the offense has got to play. I'm so envious of Tampa's defense and what they're going to try to do to us and bring the house and confuse fields and all that. That's the same thing we should have done to Jordan Love. It's like we we did everything. We It's like Jordan Love had to have X, and all these different variables to go right for him to have such a great game, and we allowed all of those to happen. It's mm -hmm. like even force him to beat the Blitz then. Come after him. Like make him uncomfortable. Make him hit the ground a little bit. Like, don't just let him stand there. That's what they always did to Rodgers. I mean, historically, as we know, what the Bears used to do was to hit the other team. Anytime we're in these these little pussy defenses where we're like, we're really not coming after you. The Bears are never really successful at it. They're just not. Maybe they were when they, you know, with the 06 team, but still you had Mike Brown and Charles Tillman. You had playmakers in the back end. Like, these guys don't compare to that. So, you got to be able to – you can't be too afraid to blitz occasionally, especially when the front four aren't exact, exactly pulling their weight, so to speak. Well, I guess Ngakwe had a, a big tackle and a big sack, so I can't single him out. But maybe you put the kids up front, the two the two draftees. The well, it's, er, it's early. You can't do all those things, you know, in game one. You signed uh, Billings, uh, he, one of the top free agents. You got to get him some playing time. You got to get him into shape. Justin Jones is the three tech. You know, you and I sat down on TV and just when we were talking about Justin Jones on that very same play, we saw him put a quarterback pressure on. But it, it, it's like Eberflus said, you know, the right end has got to know what the left end is doing, what the defensive tackle is doing, what the other defensive tackle is going. There has to be, you know, uh, uh, synchronicity. And so you're when you're setting up a, uh, an offensive lineman, the other guy should know what you're doing and complement. Uh, and that's not what's happening with the Chicago Bears. They're all is playing the coaching at, then? No, I think it's just they, they, they haven't had the reps. You know, and Dockway is a recent addition, you know, uh, 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 the, the the rookies did get a lot of playing time together, and so I'm sure we'll we'll see more 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 snaps out of them. But Billings was hurt, uh, so there, it was just a bad preseason camp where a lot of the work that goes into building efficiency wasn't put in because of either injury or whatever reason. And then getting back, Nick made the comment, you know, you got to let. Uh, Justin Fields throw it, but that's that's what's bothering me is that he, when he does have opportunities to let it rip, 
He doesn't. We started the show by showing a particular play from uh, uh, Jenkins's website. I'm going to show another play that I posted up on YouTube. Let me see if I can get this a little fuller on the screen. Um, this is essentially DJ Moore is essentially running the same route that he did on that previous play. He's going to run a corner route. And so I'm going to pause this. Um, they're going to run the routes. And then I'm going to pause it right when Justin Fields is at the top of his drop back. So there you go. This is when he's got to make a decision. Who am I going to throw the ball to? Am I he's going to check open. it? Who is? Down in the corner where you're going to it. Number two, that's where the ball's got to go. Exactly. Exactly. So I posted this on Twitter, and everybody's saying, check it down to uh, Rashawn Johnson. Check it down to Cole Komet. There's no – and just to prove to them that they were wrong, what I did – see if I can get to it. Oh, oh damn it. Where did it go? <laughs> No, at the oh. exact well, while you're doing that, the exact moment you're when you had it paused, yeah, you know he's got to throw to the spot where where Moore is going to be. Exactly. I throw mean, the guy open, toward right. the corner, and then he he runs right into the catch that way. You lead mm -hmm. him to the to the ball is what I'm saying. It's not 1977 where you throw exactly where the receiver is. You kind of with the emergence of Mike Martz in the the Rams off or offense of the late 90s, you basically saw that you throw to spots. Mm -hmm. And the yeah. guy needs to go to the spot. And that's what we're talking about here is DJ Moore is en route to that spot. And if you throw to that spot, he's going to be wide open. Right. Whoops. Wrong, wrong one. Um, so the answer as to where he should throw it was uh, the answer was provided by Justin Fields himself. He said immediately after the game, uh, let me share the screen here so I can read the quote. Uh, I've got to, if anything, give DJ a shot on the sideline on that. It is him or nobody, or check the ball down to Rashawn or Cole. So that's what the, that's the first read. It's DJ Moore headed towards the sideline. That's the throw. Why he's throwing it over to the middle of the field to a guy who is covered, Darnell Mooney. He's locked in on Mooney. He never looked at DJ Isn't Moore. Is that the pick six? This is the pick six, yes. I thought so, yeah. Yeah, he never looks at. Uh, He's the least him. open guy of everybody on the field. Yeah, it's it's this is not right, guys. And we this is year three, the start of year three. You can't blame this on coaching. You can't. He's he's going to his favorite uh, security blanket, Darnell Mooney. That's what's happening here. And, and so if the ball isn't picked off by the guy who gets to pick off the mm -hmm. linebacker, I think the other guy is going to pick him off. Exactly. So we've got to coach this out of him. He's got to have that discipline to uh, to make the right decisions and risk throwing, uh, you know, a, a touchdown under different circumstances, trying to hit, you know, a, a, a guy who's really open as opposed to what Mooney appeared to be there. So anyway, been ranting about that enough. Um, <laughs> well, it's very damning, though. No, yeah, but it's it it's fair. <laughs> I think we're being fair to the guy. You know, again, we we want him to do well. I could I could sit here for three hours and provide highlights of him running and throwing the ball, but the, but the topic is we've got to make a big decision. We mean meaning the Chicago Bears. Are we going to 
give him that fifth year option, which you have to do in year four. You have to announce it in any ways. It can you can renege on it like the Bears did with Leonard Floyd, which is another story we need to get to. You can renege on that fifth year uh, uh, option, but ideally. You'd love to see progression so that the Bears can confidently say, we're going to pick up your option, your fifth-year option, and we're going to negotiate for a long-term contract. That's where we want to be, as opposed to if this doesn't look good for the next 7, 8, 10, 16, 17 games, what are we going to do? You know, we're not going to offer him a, a, a deal. Can't do it. we got to find another quarterback. So, that, So that's where we're at. Let me just say this, too. I'm rooting for Justin. Like, I want, at the end of this season, I want them to say we're picking up his fifth-year option. I hope he earns that. Like, every Sunday, I want the Bears to win, right? But I hope it's because of Justin. Like, more often than not, the rest of the season, I hope he gets to 4,000 yards or, at the very least, start throwing to a couple 300-yard games. I, I want him to succeed. But transitioning here, if I can throw you a segue, Mm-hmm. He was so bad on Sunday that Aaron Rodgers' career could be over with, and we haven't talked about it for nearly two hours. That's how bad Justin was on Sunday. <laughs> we buried Aaron fucking Rodgers' injury. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Well, you know what? I got uh, I, I got a friend who works at the, at the stadium in New York, and uh, he texted me a picture of Aaron Rodgers' x-ray. <laughs> Aaron, of course, chose that pose himself. But uh, yeah, what do you guys think about this, uh, Nick? I'll start with you. What What do you think about potentially Aaron Rodgers' career ending f- after four plays with, as a New York Jet? Is it weird to say that it kind of upsets me because I wanted to see him succeed in New York. I didn't want him to succeed anymore in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you never wish injury on anybody. I don't care what Aaron Rodgers has done to the Chicago Bears because he brought excitement to this rivalry. And, you know, I, I know we've, I mean, over the last 50 games of the Chicago Bears against Green Bay, we're 30 or 51 games. The Packers are 38 and 13. Like, I get it. Like, I, Aaron Rodgers owned the Chicago Bears. I just, I, it stinks because, you know, I grew up, Rodgers, I mean, I saw a little bit of Favre when I first started really getting into football, but Rodgers has been it since, and this is it was a weird first season, but he's he's a he's an icon in the NFL. I mean, he's arguably one of the best in the generation. He did a lot of great things. He never, I mean, he's a great meme. He can never go to an NFC or the Super Bowl without beating third string Caleb Haney. You, you know, like <laughs> overall. He, I mean, I feel really bad for Jets fans. Like Jets, the Jets have a good defense. They have a good offense. There's a lot of hope there. And now you got Zach Wilson as your guy, potentially. Tom Brady, who knows, might come out of retirement. That's a whole nother conversation. But mm-hmm. when I saw it happen live, when I saw him not get up, Rodgers is a tough guy. And when Rodgers did not get up, I was like, ooh, that's serious. And you got to remember, Mooney and Jackson both had season-ending injuries on the same exact field, in same exact conditions outside. And man, it was—I don't know if you guys actually saw what happened to like the zoom up on his leg. 
Yeah. But it literally looked like a speaker at a music festival, like going like mm-hmm. this. I was like, ooh. So I'm wishing him the best. I hope he gets better. I mean, I would love to see him return for one more season, maybe lead the Jets to some sort of success. But, you know, the the Bears fan is in me is like, why couldn't this have happened five years ago when he was on Green Bay? <laughs> <laughs> I I hate saying that too. But, I mean, I know it's just – it's just like the Bears thing of me, but at the same time, I wish him the best. I hope he gets better. But it's, it stinks for him. It stinks for Green Bay. All right. I would be willing to suck Aaron Rodgers' dick. Whoa, I Dan, what are you saying? Aaron Rodgers' dick. I think that's taken out of context, but <laughs> let me say I saw a meme of you remember that film from 2001? I think it was or 02. There was a remake with Nicolas Cage and Angelina Jolie gone in 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. Yes, as Angelina and has Aaron Rodgers in place of Nicolas Cage gone in sixty seconds, like you know the Jets. His his tenure with the Jets is like three plays. Okay. He's gone. I thought that was good, but <laughs> as a Bears fan, I wanted this to happen while he was a Packer. I hate to say that, but like I'm not rooting for him to to get hurt. But when he did get his collarbone broken, oops, sorry. I'm glad you're hurt. Sorry, stay down. So if that did happen in Green Bay, I'd be a little bit happier. That makes me an asshole. I'll own it. With the Jets, I wasn't rooting for him to get hurt there. Again, if you tell me he's hurt and he'll never play again, okay, I'll take it. I mean, I don't like him. I'm never going to like him. But I didn't relish his injury with the Jets the way I would have if he was in Green Bay. It's almost like he was out. I didn't have to deal with him anymore. He was out of the North. He's out of the NFC Conference. We're going to have to face him. Once every four years now, let him just go be a boil on someone else's ass. I, w- I wasn't rooting for him to get hurt, but now that I know that he is hurt, I was driving home from the airport when this occurred. Um, okay, fine. I'm not I'm not upset about it. I'm not like, damn, I wish he wasn't hurt. But I wasn't cheering on his injury either. Yeah, you know what's uh, ironic is both of you guys saying, I wish it would happen when he was a Packer. Leonard Floyd had two two sack games against Aaron Rodgers when he was a bear facing the Packers. He had two and he had another two sack game against Aaron Rodgers when he was with the Rams and throughout his career, he's had 10 and a half sacks counting the one yesterday against Aaron Rodgers. Who knows if the bears decide to retain Leonard Floyd and not let him. Maybe that happens. Yes, exactly. That's my point. Exactly. And they did not renew his fifth year option. They let him test free agency in a way. He went uh, to the Rams where he played really well, won a ring. And so, again, this is just part of, you know, everybody's lamenting is Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. Yeah, we freaking do it to ourselves. Uh, you know, I, when Leonard Floyd was released, I said, this is a mistake, man. This guy's just beginning to play well. And uh, and I was shocked that Poles didn't make an effort to sign him when we were looking for a defensive end. He was signed for less money than Yannick. You could have signed both of those guys with the money you had available. So uh, very frustrating. Leonard was like, I'm never going back to Chicago. Yeah, probably. He may have had just very such true. a negative you know, response to the first four years of his career. He's like, why would I go back to that fucking clown show organization? <laughs> 
that's the way I'm starting to think about our podcast. Why are we doing podcasts about that fucking clown organization? Yeah, I was going to make a Nick Foles dick joke to Nick earlier, and I was like, I don't know him well enough yet. He said I would yeah. take somebody over him and somebody over him. I was like, yeah, but what about Nick Foles' cock? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should take Nick. Yeah, yep, the real- name is Big Dick Nick. That's Big right, Nick. <laughs> they say he's oh, got man. 10 inches of... Uh, of uh man pole <laughs> he seems like an uncircumcised guy too i don't know if that's true but if you look at nick falls i could see him bringing like the arby's uh, meat sorry uh, well, take a leak if you can bear with me just a minute yeah absolutely you can speak with nick and i'll go piss hang on all righty Nick, uh, tell us about your podcast. When's it on? Uh, the style of the uh, work that you're doing. Uh, that way we can get some of our people that head over and visit your show. Yeah. Uh, so hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Nick Brody. I'm the host of Just Another Year Chicago Bears. Uh, we are on YouTube and YouTube only at the moment. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Official Shy. But what we do is we talk about the Bears, all the updated news. We are around all year round, five days a week. Uh, and what we do, player analysis, player breakdowns, uh, scores, pregame, postgame, you name it, we got it in any sort of breaking news. I recently just dropped an episode of Whose Seat is Hotter, Alan Williams or Luke Getze. So make sure to go give that a look and make sure you comment. I uh, reply to all comments, but been doing this for almost three years. Can't believe the support, and uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. So, yeah, hopefully I'll see you guys over at my channel, and uh, make sure to bear down. You know, one of the things that I like about your podcast, uh, one of the several things, is you come up with great topics, like the topic you just announced, who's on that hot seat, who's on the hotter seat. Uh, it's fantastic, and your YouTube page is beautifully laid out. you got a great set behind you. Did you study, you know, for production or someone, or is this just a passion project that you've learned how to do all this stuff on your own? Um, so I'll give you a little bit of the backstory of how it all started. Uh, I was sitting in my first apartment after I moved out, and I was on Amazon, and there was an Amazon flash deal for this exact microphone, this arm, and this camera. And it was, I think, uh, 80-something bucks. And I was like, you know what? And ironically, my dad and I were chopping it up. He goes, you're the only person that I know that actually is talking about sports when no sports are on right now. I was like, (laughs) yeah. I mean, there's. I love talking about the Bears. I love reminiscing. Like, you know, I miss them. He goes, you you should do one of those little uh, podcast things. And I was like, you think so? He's like, yeah, why not? And the next day, Amazon Prime, even during the pandemic, was prime the best it could get. Got the microphone and everything, started it, and learned as I went on. And uh, just want to give a couple quick shout-outs to a couple people that inspired me. You know, Swifty Sports, I see him in the comments. He was one of the first people I ever connected with on Twitter. He helped me really get my feet on the ground in the Bears community. Uh, my, my good friend, Kenny Games, uh, Madden streamer on YouTube. Make sure to go check him out as well got me started with editing and learning how to kind of manage the business a little bit. And then also, uh, you know, Will Wright, good friend of mine, got me a lot of great connections, but the Windy City Productions as well, all those good guys, uh, Deeks View, Drunk Ryan Poles, I can go, list goes on and on and on, but uh, it's been a ton of fun. Uh, I'm super happy to be doing this. And I'm, 
my big thing for me is that at the end of the day, we're all Bears fans. We all want the Bears to win, and we all have different views about them. You know, Dan and I were just go- chopping it up a little bit right there. We had our different views on things, which I love. You know, Aldo, you and I have as well. Overall, mm-hmm. I just love interacting with everyone in the Bears community. It's a lot of fun. That's awesome, man. Uh, and I, I'm so I'm so glad to hear that you've gotten all this uh, help and guidance and friendship from the Bears community because that's what it should be about. We we should all be helping each other, and you know, and, and yeah, sometimes we have friendly, you know, repartee going back and forth. I disagree with you or whatever, but what it all boils down to is we're all Bears fans and we want the best for the team and we should want the best for each other, the common good. Uh, by the way, uh, Nick, did you see the weather forecast for Tampa? I did not. How's it looking? It's looking really, really hot. Really hot. I, you know what I mean? I would have to agree with that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 91 degrees on Saturday and Sunday and Saul Perez giving us the weather. We always appreciate when she stops by and tells us the weather for the upcoming game. I think um, I'm switching from Tom Skilling to her. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good call. Uh, Dan, any final words for our guest before we let him loose? Hey, it was good to talk with you for real. Cool. Yeah, Dan, great meeting you as well. I, I just, uh, you know, shot you a follow on both my accounts on Twitter. So now I'm connected with everybody in the room. So uh, hopefully right. we'll get both of you guys on my show. Sounds good, man. All right, brother. Take care. Thanks, See guys. You. Have a good one. Thank Bye. you. Dan Gray, how was that piss, man? Lovely. <laughs> what I, what's what's his uh, handle? Because I, I don't see where he followed me. I was going to follow him back. At Chicago Nick, or could be his J podcast. I'll text it to you. Okay, good. Um, is Tucha going to come in? He's giving me the thumbs up. There he is. Johnny Santucci, how are you, my friend? <laughs> Had to unmute. <laughs> At least you were able to depress the button this time. <laughs> Holy shit. Is that about Rogers' career? (laughs) It's a Bears fan's song. Oh, jeez. I went went two hours for that, although. (laughs) (laughs) Two hours. Next time, send it to me so it won't blast my ears out and I can do the audio (laughs) check on it. No more third grade uh, production. All right. Yep. Um, Tooch, your thoughts about the uh, loss to the Packers? Man, uh, my the it, it, one word would be unprepared for week one. Yeah, you know, uh, I'll get into it more and in bear state of affairs. But oh, you got a state of affairs? Oh yeah. Oh, look at this guy. Got state of affairs. <laughs> yeah. Well, lots, then let's uh, lots of get fun. To it. Let's get to it, my man. Stand by. We'll play the State of Affairs Open. Unmute. <laughs> Streamyard, man. It's just, I don't know.
press the button sometimes. Doesn't even All right, see. get to it. All right. Bears State of Affairs NFL season week two. We're in week two. Yeah, week one was the new preseason week four. Uh, what's happening, Bar Flies? Well, NFL season is underway, and the Bears played their home opener on Sunday. And it was ready or not, here come the arch rival Packers. Actually, it was more not than ready. The Bears looked wholly unprepared to face their arch rivals. Yeah, a lot of not. The Bears were not ready and not prepared. They were thoroughly outcoached in every phase of the game by the Green Bay Packers and their teenage head coach, who looked younger than Chicago Nick. <laughs> it's like I said last week, this was, book, this was bookend number one. The tone-setting first test of the season. And the Bears came away with a big old grade of F-minus. If I could give it out. Yeah, F-minus. Uh, I got a lot of those in high school. I think Aldo and Dan and I both we all got F-minus. All right, along with that dreaded L. Whatever you have to say about this game, it was not at all what anybody expected, felt, or predicted would happen. And maybe we as Bears fans spent this whole offseason believing the hype, drinking the Kool-Aid, buying the hope. So as a result, Bears fans are in a state between panic and patience. It's the worst place to be, although. Ah, and man, old Tooch spent Sunday morning in church praying for a Bears victory against the Packers. I was praying for all of us, even retro, which required extra prayer. I even found out that the pastor at my church is a long-suffering Bears fan whose sermon <laughs> included the same Bears good, Packers evil credo that I've been taught my whole life. Yeah, who'd have thought? <laughs> right, as part of his sermon. Yeah, I think what's the most deflating about last Sunday is the fact that the Bears wasted a great opportunity to finally get the monkey off their back and beat the Packers. We, as Bears fans, we all knew the magnitude of the situation. It was like the Bears just forgot, damn. At least it seemed that way. The Bears were unprepared, uninspired, and unorganized. Hey, maybe it is just the fact that week one NFL is the new week four of preseason. Maybe it's the fact that we got whooped in front of a home crowd of fans savvy enough to bring out the Boo Birds early. Whatever the reason, the Bears had seven penalties for 61 yards. Virtually no pass rush. In fact, there were only six pressures on Jordan Love the whole game. And on the Bears' first seven drives, 15 plays went for zero or negative yards. And the offense was three of 13 on third down. Jeez. And Justin Fields seemed confused and unable to execute the play calls. Fans were torn between blaming the coaches and blaming the quarterback. Whatever the reason, the Bears uh, – sorry – How's that for bad? I felt a twinge of deja vu like it was 2019 all over again, <laughs> where we had high hopes for a young Bears team and a young Bears quarterback. That season turned to doubt about the quarterback, the coaches, and the players, with many Bears fans, myself included, realizing that maybe these coaches weren't all that we thought they were. It was the second year of Matt Nagy regime that fans started to feel that maybe Mitch Trubisky, Matt Nagy, and Ryan Pace were frauds. And here we are, wondering if Justin Fields, Matt Eberflus, and Ryan Poles are frauds. <laughs> it's the Bears cycle, although I don't have that graphic anymore. But if I did, <laughs> it would be up there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe the current NFL is too big for them. I have to agree with Barfly Tailgate host Aaron Current, who recently tweeted that Eberflus coaches a defense that no longer works in today's NFL. 
It's mm. hard for me to disagree with that after Sunday. True. Yep. And maybe, uh, and maybe the current Bears regime isn't the right group to lead the Bears forward into a new era of the NFL. Maybe they can't adjust. Maybe they're too stubborn. Maybe these players aren't the right players to get to a Super Bowl and win it. I hate to blame coaching first, but it's their job to make sure that these players are prepared for the biggest game in years. It's their job to make sure they put together a game plan and have a strategy good enough to win. Hits went to shit, and the team was not prepared. How unprepared were they? Aside from the penalties and inability to convert third downs on offense and get off the field on third down on defense, the Bears' own head coach, he was unprepared for his own post-game press conference. (laughs) You can't make this up. Uh, Coach Eberflus, when asked how he thought his uh, franchise quarterback, Justin Fields, played, said, have to look at the tape. Have to look at the tape, coach. Were you at the game? Surprising and alarming how unprofessional the team looked during the game. That carried over to Coach E's presser. I don't know. Maybe he was busy updating his resume after the game. If he wasn't, he should be getting that polished up. He might need it soon. And Luke Getze, the play calling was so predictable, so ineffective. I thought Matt Nagy had stopped by and the team let the ball call some screen passes for old time's sake. Seriously, I thought Getze was going to set the record for most screen passes called in an NFL game. The formations were so obvious to the Packers that, like I said before, 15 plays went for zero or negative yards. The team was three for 13 on third down. Don't get me started on the soft zone coverages of an Allen Williams. Here's quarterback Jalen Johnson. I feel like we got to get back to the drawing board. I think we came out. We weren't who we thought we were. That's coaching. Yes, players have to execute, but it falls on the coaches to have the team prepared to make adjustments to call plays that are effective against what the opponent is doing. The Bears coaches did not do that. Hey, it's also highly possible. Maybe these players just aren't good enough yet. Maybe the talent level isn't on par with the rest of the league, and maybe Poles' roster isn't as good as we all thought. Maybe Chase Claypool doesn't want to be here. But you know what the truly terrifying part of the post-game, post-mortem is? It's that maybe the franchise quarterback might not take that necessary step as a quarterback. At times, Justin Fields looked confused, hesitant, afraid to throw deep, and afraid to take off and run. A few times he had room to run, and it was almost as if you could see him thinking, I better not. Maybe the coaches told him to run less this season. Who knows? It's a huge part of his game. It's It's what destroys the defense. My biggest concern is that the Bears organization, for whatever reason, over the decades have been unable to develop quarterbacks. Maybe we need to hire a former quarterback as a GM or head coach. Whatever the solution, Eberflus, a former defensive coordinator, Poles, a former offensive lineman, and Getze, a former offensive assistant, might never be the right people to turn Justin Fields into that next-level quarterback. Don't believe me? The the Jim Harbaugh talk has already begun after week one. (laughs) If the Bears can't develop a quarterback, we all know Dan McGuire, especially at a Fields were to go to another team, he would come back as a superstar and shoot us right through the heart. What I do know after this first game is that there'll be no more excuses for players like Claypool and Fields. I've said all along this whole season rests on Justin Fields. We don't want to overreact to week one, but next year's quarterback class is loaded for the draft. We need to find out this year whether Justin Fields has what it takes. 
or is just another washout like Mitch Trubisky, the last Bears quarterback to carry the weight of a beleaguered and desperate franchise? That is Bears State of Affairs. That was sensational, Tooch. Uh, that was and that line that you wrote. Uh, the Bears fan, Bears fans are between panic and patience. Uh, that That's where we are. Fucking brilliant. <laughs> Thank brilliant. you. Appreciate brilliant. Appreciate it. Happy, happy belated birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Hit the six five. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll be uh, on Medicare soon. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, what'd you think of Tooch's uh, Bear State of Affairs? Yeah, I like the last line that he said. Uh, the beleaguered, what was it again? Yep, the Blast Bears quarterback to carry the weight of a beleaguered and desperate franchise. That yeah. is nice, man. That was poignant. <laughs> this guy's like, uh, who's the famous sports writer who wrote the four? Rolly Firestone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good uh, stuff. This, this one was hard, though, although a lot of a lot of emotions, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, so much hope. I wore the shirt, hope. We had a lot of hope. And, man, mm-hmm. it just laid a turd. Was just a big turn, a big old turn. I felt so. so I was texting Danny during the game. I was like, "This game sucks, man." Yeah, yeah I, I didn't mean to ignore it. I, I was just, I, I was just busy at the game. You know, I I responded a couple of times, but yeah, I, know. I, know. I wasn't really looking at my phone. I was trying to squint to see the coverage of the yeah. game. <laughs> I figured you had like a hundred people texting you. <laughs> I just wanted to get my texts in there. <laughs> I know. I honestly just had my phone in my pocket. I was just watching the game and that hanging out with Jay. It, it was just ultimately, <laughs> it was so monumentally disappointing. It's the worst game I've ever gone to. Yeah. Yep. Tell, tell Tooch the story of the family that was next to you, Dan. Oh, God. So there was a girl beside me that was probably 16. She fell asleep. Oh, 66,000 people screaming. screaming. She's asleep, and her dad, and there's like two other kids, probably eight and ten, that were there. And after Fields fumbled, he's like, I just can't watch this shit anymore. Come on, kids, we're leaving. And they woke the girl up, and she's like, we're leaving? And, and she's like, okay, thank God. <laughs> and so all of them left after the fumble. Uh, our guy, Ron, uh, who we've been trying to get on forever, he said he left in the fourth quarter. Lots of people left in the third and fourth quarter. And that's why you had the Packers take over the stadium in the fourth. But the worst part of the whole trip is I was forced to pay $86 for a cab ride that I was quoted 55 on, but that's another story. (laughs) The whole damn trip. It was tough getting to the airport. My flight was delayed two hours leaving the horrible cab ride and the horrible game. The only good part about the whole damn trip was hanging out with Jay and Aldo. (laughs) Yeah, it was great hanging out with uh, Jay. Stopped by the house to pick up uh, Dan, and we had a nice breakfast. Had a great talk with Jay. It was great to get to know him better. Uh, Tooch, you got a question here. Can we put Justin at running back and let Johnson start at quarterback? (laughs) Johnson was one of the bright spots. I kind of like him at running back. I I agree. I I think one of the the things that was missing from – the game plan. I don't know why. Uh, to me, like I said, in, in Bear State of Affairs, there are a few times where I was like, I could see, you know, from from the the far away view, 
run, man. There's nobody. You get like 25 to 50 yards, run. And he he, he looked like he wanted to. He started to run. Then he thought again. He's like, you know, maybe the, the coaches said not to run or something. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's what softens up the defense. Yeah. You know, then they got to start playing Justin Fields escaping. I mean, you saw uh, uh, what was the game uh, recently with uh, um, uh, Mahomes. Mahomes uh, kept moving the sticks in that Thursday night game with his feet, with his legs, man. Yep. It's just knew, like uh, he knew his receivers would drop the ball. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, although your film uh, thing, uh, where where uh, at the top of his at the top of his drop, he's got to let that ball fly because DJ him. DJ Moore was wide open, and that that's NFL open. Indeed. You know, that's uh, uh, he's not used to seeing that. You know, he had an awesome offensive line. There's two NFL first round picks from Ohio State in the NFL this past season. You know, mm-hmm. there's uh, plenty of off- Ohio offensive state linemen who are in the NFL now. He had three first-round draft pick uh, NFL wide receivers, mm-hmm. you know, that he threw to, you know, and plenty of time playing against inferior competition when he was at Ohio State. You know, he let it – he could wait for a guy to get open or guys were so wide open that he knew it immediately. In the NFL, you know, he's not knowing it immediately, and that, that's been uh, – that was the issue on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Dan mentioned uh, this to me before we went live, and Cliff has brought it up in the chat. Uh, Jaquan Briska complaining about Bears fans booing at the yep. game. Uh, Dan, what do you think about Brisker's points? And then Tooch, jump in. I don't blame Brisker. You know, if you were a player, you would want the fans to be on your side. I see both angles of it. I wasn't one of the ones booing, but I don't really take umbrage with the other people that were booing. I mean, it's it. They they weren't booing until the second half when it the game got out of control, and again, it's because everybody there is so passionate and so on you, and they just feels like the offense is not trying to win the game. Fields isn't playing up to par. The defense then sort of quits. So you have that tsunami of emotion that led to the booing. But do I uh, blame Brisker for saying, hey, "Come on, guys, stay with us"? No. I see both angles. I don't think anybody's wrong. Everyone involved has a point, but you know, I'm, I'm not pissed at Brisker if that's the question. Tooch. Well, um, again, I, I'm kind of uh, for me. I, I, I have mixed feelings because uh, one, the booing kind of takes away our home field advantage. But at the same time, man, if I was a player, I'd be like, man, you know what? We played like shit. I totally get it, bro. <laughs> Go away. Yeah. You know, but. That's again. That's where where we are. We're torn between these. We have these mixed emotions. This week. Right. Well, and Eddie Jackson said the same thing in his rookie year when he experienced some boos back in 2017. You know why? And they don't boo at. They never boo at Alabama. I remember him saying. And what they don't understand, these young players, is that we fans have been living through decades of frustration. So the boos aren't just necessarily directed at the current team's level of play. It's this history of the McCaskey-led Chicago Bears. So Steve Stenstrom still. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We're boying all of those quarterbacks who have let us down. I mean, we know who they are. All of these guys have disappointed us to a large degree. (laughs) So, you know, um, that's what they don't understand. But I agree with you, Tooch, and and everyone else uh, that says you shouldn't boo – I, I hate to I hate to give up on the team publicly. I want to root them on. I want to be the twelfth man. I want to be 
uh, at, at a Bulls game. I want to be the sixth man. I want I, I want to continue to cheer even if we're down three touchdowns in the fourth quarter and I get to experience a tremendous comeback. And I can say I never fucking had a doubt. I always thought we could win. I want to experience that in my lifetime since I can't go out there and fucking hit anybody or make an interception or anything. That's my contribution to the team. But again, we're in a situation here between panic and patience, as my <laughs> philosopher friend John Santucci said. You and I have been Bears fans for decades. Like <laughs> I'm going on what 46 years as a or no, uh, uh, 49 years. I'm go. I'll be. It'll be 50 years next year as I've yeah. been a Bears fan. Look at and, that. And uh, although you know you're you're F- like 56 a decade. years. Yeah. 56 years. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm wondering how long it took us to get to be so cynical. <laughs> Uh, it was decades, I know, but I don't know how, many, I don't know how many decades. But. Yeah, I mean, I was growing cynical in the early 80s, and then Dicker came in, and I said, wait a minute, yeah. this crazy, crazy motherfucker might be onto something here. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, before we pull the plug on it, uh, Tucha, you caught up with Winning Time? Yeah, oh, yeah. All yep. right, why don't you lead the discussion on that with you and Dan? Well, uh, you know uh, – it, it was it was a really good episode. I, I like uh, lots of uh, uh, Larry Bird, but we, we only got a little bit of Larry. But mm-hmm. uh, it was it was a Kareem uh, episode. You know, mm-hmm. you got you got into the Kareem. I, I really love the spot where people were giving him jazz albums. You know, oh, yeah. Finally, yeah, that was really touching and stuff. And then of course you had the Jerry Buss forgot that he forgot to get divorced before he got married. <laughs> it's like what the fuck. How can you forget that shit? I don't blame Honey for walking out on him. But, you know, so like, how do you forget that? He's like, I don't know. He's such a foodable. I don't know if that's the word. But, you know, Jerry, the Jerry Bus character is great, and and yeah. John C. Riley is so good at playing him. Yeah, Tooch, what'd you think? I mean, uh, Dan, I would say uh, first off, I enjoyed watching it with you personally, mm-hmm. and it's not like I wasn't entertained, but. I thought the episode was the worst of the entire run of the series. It was too rushed. I mean, it's not just because you have the 82 and 83 finals just like they didn't matter. But there's some holes in this plot, too. Like, for example, the last episode we had Kareem saying, I don't want to resign here because of you at the skating rink, right? And then they forgot that. It's not followed up on. There's nothing. He's just suddenly resigned. It's just completely forgotten. Or we just saw him either an episode or two ago being married, and and we see her come home late one night, and suddenly they're getting divorced. It's just like everything in the last episode was rush, 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 and then it was still only 45 minutes. It's, it's supposed to be an hour. Mm-hmm. If there's only seven episodes in the series, then give me a full fucking hour of each one. And... Maybe you wouldn't have to rush and put two full seasons into one episode. Right. And and then, like I said, the thing with Kareem was so, like, uh, it was such a big deal. I don't want to resign here because of you, because you think I'm envious of Irvin. What a line. And then suddenly they don't even explore the fact that he resigned. Maybe it's implied because of the fire. Yeah. Like he needs money now. I don't know. They just let it go. There was a hole in it there. And I just... I just thought the two seasons of 82 and 83 to just be thrown away. Uh, I, that's the only thing about the series I haven't liked really so far. 
Yeah, I got to agree with Danny too on that. And, and Danny, do you remember uh, the Moses Malone uh, Sixers beating the Lakers? I've seen the series seen uh, the in series. retrospect. I was too young at the time to watch it live. Fo fo fo. That's what, uh, that's what uh, Malone. Excuse me. Uh, yeah. yeah. M- Moses Malone said after they swept everybody in the series yep. in the playoffs. Fo fo fo. Moses. Uh, I lost my train of thought. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just saying I didn't get to see that one live because I was too young at that point. But I knew about it, and I just felt like that to forsake the those two years like that. It wasn't the best part about the series. Let's just say that. Yeah, well, like Aldo said, it was rushed. Or Dan yeah. said it was rushed. Extremely. Yeah, you know, the uh, – and Dan Aguirre just said this, and it made me think, you know, the, the relationship Jerry Buss has with his wife, who is, who's now at the end of that episode is suing him for divorce, was extremely yeah. rushed. You know, you can't build any emotional attachment to a character if all you're going to show is her – being wooed by Jerry Buss, the daughter being jealous about the relationship, being feeling untrust, untrustworthy of her now stepmom, and then all of a sudden she shows up one night inebriated uh, and announces that that's the way the marriage is going to be. I mean, it, it, that whole relationship didn't have time to build like Magic and, and Cookie, you know, you can feel when that scene where Magic and Cookie embrace and he asked her to get married. I was touched by that. Yeah. And that worked because it, they devoted a lot of time to that right. to make, make it work. This the relationship with Jerry, Jerry Buss and this ex uh, was just not handled well. It, and I would have liked to see more of that actress because it looked like she has some acting chops. But I don't know. To add to your comment about Cookie. There were so many episodes in the past where he was talking to her where it felt irrelevant. It's like they were forcing the that his phone call with Cookie in. But now, because of the payoff that they're getting married, then all of those scenes where it felt like they're being forced in, they matter now because of the big payoff at the end where they're going to get married. And the stuff with, like, wait, they just got married last episode. Now they're getting divorced? Like, oh, it's supposed to be a year or two later. Well, fuck. Like, there should have been, oh, man, again, I'm not trying to criticize Jeff's book or the showrunner. I want them to renew it. But this was really bad in that aspect. I mean, if you've got seven episodes, then maybe you should have gotten them married like two episodes before and shown a little bit of dissension building or something. Yeah. And the thing with Kareem is is big. Like, if he's not going to come back and he's disgusted with the organization – you can't just suddenly, oh, by the way, he's back, and we don't even explain why or how when he's one of the main characters. Yeah. Those of you in the chat who have not had a chance to see Winning Time, you know, trust us, you know, what we're sharing with you really isn't spoilers because this is all history. This stuff has really happened now. The TV show has taken some creative liberties. But I know if you give this chance, show a chance. Uh, in fact, we had somebody in the chat room last week said, thanks, guys. Uh, I benched all the episodes up until now, and, and it's been fucking great. So I hope you guys all do the same thing because it really, really is good. By the way, uh, just a little tease here. Next week, we're going to have a very special guest, Bob Tucker, who was a cameraman and producer 
for NFL films for decades and uh, was one of the pioneers of the Hard Knocks HBO series. He's going to be with us to talk about his new book. Uh, where he uh, shares stories from uh, filming. That's the book you gave me, right? That's the book I gave you, right? Um, it's the uh, now I forgot the title, and I don't have the book in front of me. But uh, he's interviewed George Hallis. He goes back that long, and when you see this guy, you're going to say, "How old are you?" Because he looks so young. Um, but interview George Hallis, Walter Payton, a number of the Bears greats, and he shares these three, four-page stories. The, the the book is in alphabetical order, so if you want to see a story on Walter Payton, go to the P's, and there will be Walter's uh, uh, story. So I can't wait for that, and I'm going to show a bunch of NFL film stuff. So YouTube, don't fuck with me. Don't interrupt my live broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to get you a copy of this book, Tooch, because I think you'll love it. I know you're a fan of NFL films as well. Oh, yeah. John Facenda. Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he's got some stories about Facenda. So, um, so that's uh, next Tuesday here, guys. As we near the end of this show, any uh, final thoughts? I'll start with you, Mr. Johnny Santucci. Oh uh, well, first of all, it's extremely uh, humbled that Aldo's spending his birthday with Dan and I tonight. <laughs> For, uh, bear, bear their souls. <laughs> So, uh, shout out to Aldo. It wouldn't be my first choice spending a birthday with me. But... Well, his birthday was last week. <laughs> was it last yeah, week? Okay. It was uh, on September 6th. Yeah. Okay. Which is funny, though, Tooch, because I, I love to tell the story. My <laughs> mom, for years, celebrated, celebrated my birthday on the wrong date. Right? <laughs> I'm like nine or 10 years old. I'm looking through a shoebox that she had with photographs and papers, and I open up this piece of paper, and it's my christening uh you know my, my baptism paper and it says born september 6th baptized september 8th and so she flip-flopped it and <laughs> so every every year <laughs> i was getting my presents my presents i should say because i never had more than one i was getting it two days late anyway uh so you're you're part of a special group you and my mom <laughs> Uh, yeah, and uh, I just wanted to say uh, uh, we've been having some more folks come dropping by on Friday nights for weekend sports betting tips. I noticed that. Nice. And uh, it's been nice uh, uh, interaction or uh, nice uh, uh, numbers on on X. Now I can't call. I keep calling it Twitter. I can't call it. Yeah. Now. Whatever. Kind of a stupid name though. X. I don't know. What it, it really is. is. I mean, but he's got the X spaceship, the X this, yeah. X that. I think everything he owns, he wants to name X. Okay. All right. I think his wife, if he ever gets married, she's probably going to be called X2. <laughs> Grimes. Grimes is, isn't Grimes his wife? I don't know. It's, I don't even know he's married. The uh, cosplay model in social media uh, personality. I thought he Grimes. was gay. <laughs> you talk well, I mean, like he seems like a British James Bond. Like I don't know what his nationality is, but he seems foreign. He, I thought he was gay just by his voice and his mannerisms i really did i'm not trying to be funny i thought he was gay. He's south african i think right? whatever think it is he head. seems gay uh, <laughs> but uh, south african accents so they all say it sounds villainous it know, does south african accents. that's a good way to put it yeah. <laughs> dan any thoughts before you run off to uh, save some lives very tired i wish i didn't have to run off to save lives but I got to work on my high school uh, broadcaster Friday too, so it's it's good that I'm working, and I need the money, obviously. But uh, we also need a win desperately with Kansas City vastly approaching in Week Three, and 
even more difficult of a game than the at Tampa week two. I mean, you can't assume any game is a loss, but right now you're staring at 0-3, especially if they play the way they did Sunday. So I'm hoping somehow they show up and make believers again of us all because I'm sure they're going to be eight or nine point underdogs. They're going to deserve to be eight or nine point underdogs. And uh, if we want to make the playoffs this year, it's got to start Sunday. It really does. I mean, statistically, over the years, if you get to 0-2, the percentage of your chances of making the playoffs goes down by like 50%, but 0-3 is almost non-existent. I know the Chargers made it 0-4 from 92, but that's an aberration. Mm-hmm. So if they want to do something with this season, they, they've got to win. And they got to play with some heart, some emotion, and just give a fuck. And again, with Gordon out, that's going to be tough uh, on defense, I think. I think Kyler Gordon was going to be pretty good this year. And um, I'm rambling, but I really want the Bears somehow to, to get this victory, but I'm not sure if they can. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the good things is that maybe we just got uh, – done with the worst loss of the 2023 season. Maybe it's nothing but uphill. Maybe it's not going to be a miserable season. Maybe next week in Tampa, Justin Fields is going to pass for 250 to 300 yards, throw for a couple of touchdowns, run for another, and the Bears defense is going to sack the shit out of Baker Mayfield. And then the following week at Kansas City, maybe we do pull it off. The Detroit Lions beat them. You know, I know the Detroit Lions have a better roster, but Casey could be in trouble. Maybe we do come out of that two and one before we come back here at home. It's possible. And so I'm holding out hope. I know I'm I'm just setting myself up self up for another broken heart. I know that I am, but I'm I choose to believe. I choose to have hope. I need a copy of that t-shirt too. Chuck. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I gotta get you one. Obama when we need him. Fuck. <laughs> really? <laughs> the audacity of hope, Brock. <laughs> yeah, I hope to be back in week four, uh two and one. That'd be great. That would be outstanding. Let me see if there's another final thought here. I think uh, we talked about the booing of the Brisker, right? Uh, yeah. The the uh, uh, what worries me about the Buccaneers is that uh, I mean Mike Evans is a beast out there. He's, I'm afraid without the uh, without any pressure up front, he's going to have his way out there. That, mm-hmm. That's going to be an I think issue. The last time we went there, we lost by like fifty. Do it. Was was it that much? Couldn't have been. It was like fifty-one to three, wasn't it? Oh my! God. And let me say one more thing. I gotta go, but that worries. That game was kind of like Tom Brady rubbing it in our face because we'd beaten him the year before and mocked him for not knowing what down it was. Yes. Well, you better believe when we get to KC, Andy's gonna want to beat us because oh they they put my boy Matt Nagy down. Let's show <laughs> them it's not Matt's fault. Let's win this one for Matt. It could yeah. be. Hopefully they say let's let Nagy call the plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think they're going to try to rub it in her face and blow us out at four Nagy. And it's just, you got somehow they've got to compete, and I hope they win. That's all I can say. Let, let me ask you guys okay. this. I mean, isn't it to our advantage that Matt Nagy is calling the plays? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, let him, yeah. Matt, you want to call some plays? Yeah. Now, somebody told me, uh, I think it was Greg Gable, uh, Nagy's not calling plays. It, it just, they just make it look that way. Andy yeah, Greg, Greg Gabriel said that on Gabriel Talks Football. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I if I can believe that. I think that would be such, such a disrespectful thing to do to to Matt Nagy, not that he doesn't deserve it, 
But to lie like that to the fans and the national uh, audience and so forth to make it seem like he's coming, I don't, I don't know what the what the benefit of that is. Well, all I know is that we're, we have Alan Williams calling plays against Matt Nagy, so we ain't much better <laughs> off. <laughs> you know? It's kind of a wash. Ah, exactly. <laughs> Swifty says we lost thirty-eight to three, but we won two straight versus Tampa Bay before that. Yeah, the, yeah. didn't they score fifty? For real, I thought they scored fifty. Am, am I, I real? Am I really misremembering misremembering that point? I think you are, because the only fifty-point games against us in recent memory are, are the the uh, Patriots New, and New the, England uh, and Green Bay. Right, the back-to-back games. God, I thought we lost 51-3. I guess it was 38-3. to well, yeah. uh, sorry, You were trying to flash that one too, right, Aldo? Yes. <laughs> Mitch Trubisky, six touchdowns against Tampa. Yeah. Maybe that's what you're thinking about. We scored 50 on them. <laughs> no, I was thinking about the game in Tampa in 21 that was so fucking bad. I was interviewing a uh, somebody uh, with – uh, oh shit! I forgot the name of the website, but he'll be a, a guest on Buffon Fifty Five tomorrow night. And I asked him about the weather. He said, "You know what? A lot of people don't uh, realize is that early in the season, you know, t- you're pl- the Tampa is playing teams that have been coming off ninety degree weather days in, in, in practice. Plus, they're ga- the Bucks players are gasping for air too. You know, it's not like they're totally immune to the to the heat." So maybe we're putting too much into that, just like we have with bear weather. You know, fuck bear weather. Fucking bear weather hasn't helped us win since the 80s. <laughs> and I'm talking about mid-80s, not late 80s. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you guys have a thought on this? Still can't believe. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, you know I, why I, we I passed on him. him. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's no way you we, could take that chance. We, we, we took, uh, we took the, the pick and the player from Carolina. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we got offensive line help. I will tell you, they, they picked the best right tackle because they play Aiden Hutchinson twice a year. Dude's li- yep. left end on the Lions. Yep. You know. Well, how about that? Believe. I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say, how about that hit Darnell Wright put on uh, Quay Walker after he scored that touchdown? Yeah. Dan and I watched that probably three, four times <laughs> on replay, having fun with it. <laughs> yeah, he stuck him. But yep. guys, uh, Aldo, thanks for the weekend, right, Danny. And uh, I'll see you all next week then. Yep. I'm going to pull the plug here on this episode of Bear Their Souls with Johnny Santucci. Johnny, your target date for weekend sports betting is uh, Friday night at 6 o'clock. 7 o'clock, yep, 7 p.m. Central. Did you you guys have some winners last Friday? Uh, Yeah, our dog of the day won. Uh, My free play did not win. I was rolling, but. It's one of the few plays that uh, didn't win. Uh, and then I think the other guys both hit. Yeah, can't win them all. That's why they call yep. it gambling. How's your fantasy football team? Football team's all right. I got actually, I'm playing you next week in the Barroom League. Yeah, be careful. I had the but highest had the, score. I know. I had the second highest. But <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. Early season matchup of the <laughs> Titans of the Barroom <laughs> fantasy football. Yeah. Sorry, my finger uh, twitched. Uh, yeah, next year we need to do a fantasy league with uh, the barflies. I'm, I'm yeah. sure many of them would like. How, how do you? How would you do that? You would just do like a daily league and people join in, or maybe it was, mm. we should oh, do okay. a confidence pool as opposed to fantasy. Yeah, we could do that. See, we have to poll the audience. Yeah, you know, see what they want to do. But, yeah, the, to... It, the most would be like, uh, yeah, like a like you're saying, everybody chooses guys. 
you know, mm-hmm. or they choose a winning team like a survivor pool. Yeah. Or Danny like Danny likes the confidence pools, you know. Okay. Ranks them and stuff. So it's not too late to do it like this season if we wanted to do it like starting week four or five. Yeah. Dan Dan I I did one with Dan. It was mm-hmm. like he did it, he set it up on Yahoo. It was a oh, couple wow. of years ago. I joined his uh, confidence league. It was just for fun. But... Well, thanks for inviting me, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> All right, everybody. Love you, John Santucci. Dan Aguirre, go save some lives. See you Our next week. Flies. I'm going to try to pop in on Friday again. Okay. So, uh, yeah, no worries. Um, We're always there chat or BSing, you know, listening to Sean uh, uh, talk shit about Chicago food like he did last week. <laughs> he doesn't like deep dish pizza and Chicago hot dogs. What the hell's the matter with him? Uh, he was he was trying to bust us, bust our balls. <laughs> weekends, weekend sports betting tips on Friday evenings here on the Barroom yep. Network. And tomorrow we've got a good lineup, Barroom, uh, Bar Down, talking hockey in the afternoon. Mac and Reed talking about the Bears. And then Buffong 55 where oh, we yeah. will preview the Bucks game. So full day tomorrow. Good night, everybody. <laughs>